coming up on episode 108 of Pixel Gaiden. We talk about playground video game myths, and Eric goes over some party game memories. Realism versus pixel graphics. We discuss some important listener insights. Jimmy Hedrix writes our Patreon song. The Coco and the TI-99 battle it out. The Evercade gets some new games. Mega Man gets a new fan sequel. And McDonald's gets a new McNugget. Hello and hello. Welcome, one and all, to episode 108 of Pixel Gaiden. That is 2023, and the month is May. No longer. It's now June. <laughs> it is. It is. I am no the, longer. I am the bombastic Cody Hoffman. That's right, and I'm Eric Nelson. And I think, remember last, last episode you said, Endo de Mayo. It is Endo de Mayo. Endo de Mayo. <laughs> I was listening to that the other day. That got me a good chuckle. So yes, I am the bombastic June. Cody Hoffman, and Eric, you are the everyman, Eric Nelson. The everyman, exactly. I want to. I want to. I want to thank our friends over at ARG Presents for giving us um, uh, character traits, identifying us. <laughs> I'm, my, my, yeah. I actually showed my wife that episode. Um, so really quick for everyone listening, if you haven't listened to the most recent episode at this point. I think there'll be another one by the time this comes out, but of ARG Presents. They spun the wheel, and they got to pick a topic that Eric threw in there, which is uh, games that you disagree with that Pixel Gaiden said were good games. Is that correct? Games we got wrong. Games that Pixel Gaiden got wrong. And both of them were your games, which means you're wrong. I I was honestly I was shocked I was shocked by that (laughs) and and a little disappointed because I I usually think I pick pretty good games. I was disappointed because I wanted to give my rebuttals for one of my bad games and I didn't get the opportunity. Uh, But I guess they they might throw that wheel piece back on. I think they had a lot of fun with it, so I'm hoping they throw that piece back on. There may be another opportunity. There we go. If you guys are listening, which and if the next two are mine, I'm just going to retire from podcasting. Uh, but it was great because, uh, yeah, they, uh, they they described the show, which is probably my favorite part, even though it's very self, uh, self-flotulating. Is that the word I want to look for? <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, they described me as the bombastic one, which was hilarious. And my wife and I were listening to that episode. I was showing it to her because, obviously, it was about someone she knew. So she, she yeah. would listen to that particular episode. And uh, she's like, what does bombastic mean? <laughs> Which I know it means kind of like loud and boisterous or what I don't know the exact yeah. definition, so we had to look it up and we had a good chuckle there. And then Eric was the everyman. <laughs> Eric, you you represent the people. So if you're listening <laughs> to Pixel Guide In, there is a large chance that you guys identify with Eric more than anyone else on the show. Oh, I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> <laughs> they and probably Tim, get along with Tim better. Yeah. Tim apparently is just the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Doesn't have an, a mean bone in his body, which I don't disagree with at all. I don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> uh, Eric, how 
how is your June starting off so far? It's because, again, breaking the fourth wall, this, yeah. this episode's being recorded a bit earlier than usual, so less time has passed between the previous recording. Uh, in fact, our last episode, 107, released yesterday. It is now the That's first. Right. Uh, and I got to get the stuff recorded. We got to get the stuff recorded uh, because I will be off for, I, w- I will not be available to to record for the vast majority of June. So um, that being said, we still have plenty of news and stuff. But yeah, how was your May? May was good. May, no problems at all. Um, this week is perfect for recording for me because the family is visiting. They're doing, my daughter's doing her Washington, D.C. trip. Uh for the for school and my wife volunteered as a chaperone, so I've been kind of Mister Bachelor here at home. Eric eating top ramen every day, loving life. You know, if we plan this right, we could be doing this recording in person. Then I'm just saying. I know we should have. I thought about that, but I've been working a lot too, so yeah, probably wouldn't same. Work. Same. Uh, nonetheless, if you are looking for retro video game talk and retro inspired video game talk, tech and views, you're in the right place here at Pixel Guide Den. Um, coming up on the episode 108 here, we are going to start off, as we always do, with some quick questions. We have an amazing uh, Patreon song for you guys, uh, where we honor all our patrons by singing about them in a song. Uh, of course, we're going to come back. We're going to have some news. Um, and then we're going to hear a little something from, uh, from Eric and myself. Uh, we'll, we'll be hearing more from Tim next time. So this is going to be a Tim-free episode, aside from some, some of his submissions. But, Eric, what are you talking about in Eric's take today? I am talking about, and this actually came directly from the ARG Presents. It, yes. I, I didn't, <laughs> I'm not doing a rebuttal. I'm not doing anything like that. So it's not anything like that. But what, I, what it made me think about was memories of party games in my past, whether it was like a long time ago, like on the Super Nintendo, or as recently as like the Xbox 360. And I got so much nostalgia from that and thought about it so much. I might do my Eric's take next month about, cause I booted up my Xbox after about a year of not using it. Nice. I mean, I haven't, I think I only booted it like a year ago. There's so much on there that, that just that is so nostalgic for me that I'm going to talk about booting it up and looking through things I'd forgotten about. Awesome. Very cool. So it's memories yeah. of party games. Gotcha. And then Cody's Corner, I'll be talking about pixel graphics and suspending reality, reality, reality. I know that sounds, once again, extremely exciting. Uh, This time it's my (laughs) turn to pick the most boring sounding topic, but I think it'll be interesting, something I've been thinking about. Uh, So check that out when you get a chance. And of course, we'll finish up the episode with a battle of the systems between a couple of games I picked out this month. Uh, really wanted to get into some some systems we haven't talked about in a long time, and I thought, what better way to do that than to take a couple of uh, systems that are not talked about very often, pick the top, you know, top. I'll put it this way: top games that most people hold in high reverence that we uh, have not already covered on the show. So the yeah. uh, two competing systems I picked are the Tandy Coco, not the Coco Two, which we'll talk about that later, but the Tandy Coco. And the TI-99-4A from Texas Instruments. Uh, The games, of course, that we're talking about are uh, Parsec, the the famous Parsec shooter game on the Tandy TI-99-4A, going up against a game that uh, I had actually never played, but I just recently kind of heard about um, on the the color computer, which is called Temple of Rom. Is that a game you, you were aware about before? 
I yes, I had heard about it. I think on um, the Coco show on on, on our channel or, or on the Amigos channel. Um, they had talked about it briefly, but I had never played it. So this was my first time playing it for sure. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. Uh, so yeah, that's a nice little segue just to make sure everyone does know we are part of a retro video gaming network called uh, the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. And it has such amazing shows as Amigos Everything Amiga. It's got ARG Presents where they talk about all kinds of crazy stuff with Aaron and the Brent. Uh, of course, we got Sprite Castle, a Commodore 64 show with Rob Flack O'Hara. And a few other ones that are kind of sprinkled in there, such as the Coco Show, uh, Yours and Claire about the ZX Spectrum computer. And uh, there's some other ones that kind of come and go all the time. Those are kind of the stalwarts. So uh, yeah. that being said, Eric, I want to go ahead and hop right in to some quick questions. Quick questions. All right. And this month, Eric, you have collected some questions for us. So if you don't mind letting everyone know, what are we going to be answering today? Yep. So question number one was put in here by our good friend and co-host Tim. And he asks, when you go on vacation, do you take any gaming devices apart from your phone? So this is a question I think we did answer uh, more than a year ago at this point. So things change, yeah. right? Opinions things change. change yeah. That being said, I know that you've gone through a ton of different uh, portable devices. Assuming you're picking a portable here. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> over the last few years. So, yeah. so my answer on this is I used to want to take retro with me and things like that. Um, I do enjoy those things. But uh, as kind of foreshadowed here, I am going to be taking some time off and going away for a while. I don't want to pack a ton of things. I when I go on when I go on like work trips for a day or two, I actually like to bring a console like an Evercade, um, or or a Genesis Mini or something like that, and plug it into the actual HDMI port on the the hotel TV. But in this case, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, hopping from place to place, so I think it's just purely going to be the Nintendo Switch for me. So I'm going to get it loaded up with some stuff. Um, not too much, because I always think I'm going to spend a whole bunch of time, a whole bunch of free time doing things, and I am always so exhausted by the time we get back to the hotel, I pass out. So I, I think I'm just going to stick with the good old... Also, when I used to bring my handhelds with me, I remember specifically bringing my Neo Geo Pocket. Great system. Absolutely love it. Uh, but I kept it in my pocket next to my keys and scratched the screen all to heck, which yeah, was not enjoyable. That's one, yeah. I, whenever I take something, it has to have some kind of carrying case, because I... I don't want to make that mistake by putting it in my backpack or something like that. Um, mine's changed over the time. I mean, I remember when my number one, before I got my Switch, my number one system to take with me was my Game Boy Advance with the EverDrive yeah, on it. Good Never call. got bored with that. That was so much fun. I loved taking that for the longest time. It was my favorite handheld. Then it was the RG351M, rolls right off the tongue. But that would be for <laughs> playing retro games. That's when we started the podcast. I would take that with me on trips to do research and play those games. Then it was, of course, the Switch, which I would take and plug into the hotel TVs, like you were saying, so that I could play with my daughter, like play games using the Joy-Cons. And then now, because it has everything, both the best, best of both worlds, the last trip I went on, I took the Steam Deck because I can play retro games and I can play modern you know, titles and stuff like that. But it's so large that... I probably will. I'm going to go back to a smaller device. Really? That thing's huge. Man, oh, I have the Steam Deck's giant. 
<laughs> I, I mean, and it's I, expensive. I remember like being so excited about the Switch because the screen was so much larger. I'm like, you know what? I'll actually play a lot more games on this because yeah. I don't care for the small screens. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting old. My eyes are worse or whatever. I don't know. But after seeing your Steam Deck, now I'm like, how am I ever going to play the Switch after seeing that? I need to have basically like a 12-inch TV in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't play much Switch anymore because I play my Steam Deck, and I play that. Um, unlike my, my Switch, I'd play more docked, and then I'd play handheld maybe 10% of the time or whatever. I, it's the opposite with the Steam Deck. I play it with that beautiful screen on there. I play it handheld mostly and then docked every once in a great while. So it's the opposite for me. It's great. No, I take it on trips and stuff, but man, it's just, if I lost that or broke it, you know, that's like 600 bucks down the tube. Yeah. That, that, no, I gotcha. that would make me cry. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Really quick. I want to take this moment to tell everyone about our show sponsor, retro rewind.ca. Uh, RetroRewind.ca, our good boy, uh, good boy, <laughs> our good friend Frank over there um, has an amazing <laughs> website. Even though it's based out of Canada, it ships everywhere uh, for you at very good prices, uh, especially, you know, personally speaking, to America. It's very reasonable to get stuff uh, over here from, from RetroRewind.ca. But if you need anything for any of your Commodore computers or your Tandy Color computer series of computers, uh, Retro Rewind's got you covered, especially right now, because all these Amigas, the prices on these things have gone through the roof, Eric. I don't know if you noticed oh, that. Oh, man. I have. Getting real Amiga hardware at this point is nuts. So, But it's awesome, and it's worth it. We love it. We know most of our listeners love it. Uh, so if you're going to spend that kind of money, or you have anything that uh, maybe you got it for $50 or $30 when 10 years ago when no one knew about it, um, you want to take care of it now because nowadays it is worth a lot of money. You're going to want to do all kinds of things like make sure the, the capacitors are replaced so that it has a lot of life left in there. You don't want the VARTA battery to blow up on you. These are all things you can buy replacement parts for at RetroRewind.ca. In addition, you can buy EEPROMs. Uh, there's an EEPROM adapter that you can you can use to write your own Kickstart ROMs and EEPROMs. Uh, you've got pin sockets. You've got, I'm just going down the list here. Uh, Kickstarter adapter. You've got the relocator so that if you want to move your CPU out of the way so that you can fit some, some more goodies inside your Amiga, maybe a bigger hard drive, things like that, they've got you covered at RetroRewind.ca. Um, man, all kinds of things. Buffered IDE adapters. You've got... Uh, You've got uh, an Amid. I don't even know what this is. An Ami Diag Loopback Dongle, Eric. They've got this. If you know what that <laughs> is, and you know why you need it, they've got it. Um, at, at reasonable prices. Very reasonable prices. Also, you're going to want to get an accelerator, especially if you've got this this amazing oh. old hardware. Some people are purists. They want original accelerators that cost you more than the Amigas themselves. More power to you. Do your thing. If you want to save a bunch of scratch and get something that works a whole lot better, a whole lot faster, they've got the A630 uh, accelerator Rev Two, and uh, let's say that's all the one the stuff. I got. Yeah, that's the one I got. Fast shipping and it works. It works beautifully. I wish. I mean, I bought my A1200 accelerator way many, many, many years before Retro Rewind existed, but. Man, I when I got my A600, first place I went, Retro Rewind. This is before they were a sponsor, and I grabbed it. Fast shipping, excellent support. Uh, it, it's amazing. And I'd be amiss if I didn't mention there are also ways on RetroRewind.ca to go ahead and provide native HDMI out 
from your original hardware so you can plug it into a current HDMI monitor. So go check that out. And let's say all this stuff sounds too fancy for you. That's fine. You can reach out to RetroRewind.ca and the boys over there are going to go ahead and hook you up. Send your Amiga to them. They will install the things, replace the capacitors, set it up the way you want it for, quite honestly, a very minimal fee. But it gets even less, doesn't it, Eric? It gets a lot less. First, you log in. You got to do that first. We've made that mistake. Log in first, <laughs> set up an account, log in first, and then put in the code PG10 to get 10% off the already low prices. And uh, we're not just saying that. Go check it out yourself. Go to the website and look at the prices. They're amazing, especially for sending the, the devices there to get it repaired. You won't find it cheaper anywhere, at least where any place I've looked. Um, I agree. So you should do that. Do it. Just send your stuff in there. Get that arranged. He has people that work with him. I know Jason Warren's on the Discord is one of one of his boys, as you said. Uh, the one boys. The, yeah. Retro Rewind boys. The boys. Um, they'll they'll fix you up. So PG10 to get 10% off. Very cool. So head on down to RetroRewind.ca. Let them know that Eric and Cody sent you by using code PG10. And while you're there, why not pick up a sweet Retro Rewind t-shirt? Because they look good. And not going to lie. They you know, when, when your uh, wife goes to bed wearing it as a nighty, kind of, you know, I, I feel pride. I feel pride. <laughs> There's some pride in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Quick question number two, Eric. Quick question number two is by our good friend on Discord and, and uh, supporter, Pajaco6502. And he says, is there a video game myth that you ever believed to be true and likewise was there a video game fact that you totally didn't believe because it was so ludicrous, but it turned out to be true? Good questions. Do you have an Some answer myths. ready to go, Eric? I, I do have uh, several. several. I want to so hear them. I want to hear to go first here? Please. So let's, let's first talk about some things that I had read. I didn't necessarily think they were true, but I thought they could be. And then I learned that they were not true. One was in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Um, there, were, there was this legend that there was Bigfoot roaming around in the forest areas. Okay. And you know, that, could have, that could have very well been true. Sure. I mean, they could have programmed that in there. So I remember, because I played San Andreas a lot, and I loved that game. Um, and I remember roaming around the forest just looking for Bigfoot like a conspiracy nut. Um, I was a virtual conspiracy nut. And I didn't find him. And then I think it was in a magazine or something. Later on, I read that that was a myth. So that was the first one. And then the second one was from a long time ago in Street Fighter 2. When I think it's Ryu... When he beats you, he says something like, um, God, I should know this because that's my favorite, one of my favorite games. But he says, <laughs> you must get better if you're to defeat Shang Long, right? Ooh, who's so Shang all Long? My all my buddies were like, oh, he's got to be an unlockable boss. Like when you beat the whole game, Shang Long comes out and you have to fight him. And I even had one friend that was like, oh, yes, I did it. And I saw Shang Long. Turns out there's no Shang Liar. Long in Street Fighter 2 in any of them. So... um, so those are, those are the myths. The things that, in the second part of what he said that are true, um, I had heard that way back in my first job in Microsoft Office 95, there was rumor that there was a game built into Office 95. Mm. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to think about it, but then I found out that it is true. You, you, it's called Hall of Tortured Souls. 
Okay. And it's like it's like a little. I don't remember much about it because I haven't even looked at this. I just remember it. I have to look it it's up. It's burned in my memory. At work, I remember somebody loading it up. It's almost like a three dimensional maze game, kind of. Okay. Um, but it's in in Office ninety five, and then Excel ninety seven had the same thing. It was a three D flight simulator, though full on flight simulator. You could control at the keyboard. I can't believe and I didn't know about in. that. Yeah, and about space cadet pinball and minesweeper. Yeah. That, yeah, those were solitaire. built into Windows, yeah. <laughs> These were built into the app, so I thought, you know, that was weird. Um, but anyway, that, that's, all, that's all I remember about myths and stuff. What about you? Do you, remember, do you have any memories of anything? Yeah, and my, mine don't fit this, this category very well. I know, you know, at the playground, kids would say things, and I'm sure, you know, there was, there was some that I, I thought of. But the only one I can think of right now that fits the first category that it wasn't even a myth, right, uh, that I believe to be true there was um, there was a I had played Punch Out and I remember renting it and playing out at a friend's and I always heard like dude the last boss is Mike Tyson I'm like no way how is that you know and I remember playing through the whole game and never seeing Mike Tyson I couldn't beat the the, the boss boss I can get to which was Mr. Right. Sandman uh, but I couldn't get or Mr. Dream Mr. Dream I could not get to Mike Tyson that turned out. I was playing the uh, the game after the license ran out. There was Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and that was a big deal. That's but right. I only ever saw yeah. Punch Out, so to me, that was <laughs> there's no Mike Tyson in here. Um, I'm sure there's some other ones. So uh, the ones that I didn't believe because it was so ludicrous and um, and it did not turn out to be true. I kind of believed it, but kind of never did. And it wasn't even a myth. It was just my buddy boldface lying to me. Which in hindsight, I'm like. How come my best friend just enjoyed lying to me all the time? Like, I don't get it, but... <laughs> That's just the way kids are sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, uh, uh, I was told... Actually, this reminds me of another one. I had a, another buddy who said he had a console that wasn't a Nintendo, and it had a game built into it, so if you didn't plug a game into it, it'd play a different game. I'm like, no yeah. no way. That doesn't, that doesn't work that way. And sure enough, I saw his, he was the only person I ever knew that had a Sega Master System until I bought one. And it had the, the snail yeah. maze game in if you didn't plug a cartridge in. Uh, <laughs> but my other buddy, probably because we saw that, decided uh, uh, not too long later to try to convince me that there was a new device out. And he got it. And you could plug it into your Atari. And it would play Sega Master System games on Atari. Uh-oh. Atari and my, 2600, yeah. Yeah, Atari 2600, exactly. Sorry, didn't clarify. but And I never fully believed it. I'm like, that How? how but he just talked right. about it so much i'm like and my mind is always like why would you lie to me about this there's no reason to so it has to exist sure of course it doesn't there's no way that would be so. <laughs> that would be a stretch unless the unless the converter had the all of the guts of the sega master system in it and was just using the atari for video out even that i don't know but anyways yeah exactly that would be the, use the rf best. and yeah it would look like crap <laughs> i mean even if it used the atari controller there's not enough buttons that's true. You you're know, right. Even yeah. if it was using yeah. the video out and the controller ports, but nope. Anywho, uh, Eric, maybe we can do a little bit of errata and feedback, but in order to get through this, I think we're going to have to get a beverage in us. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so uh, what do you, what do you crack a lack and open tonight? I'm going to take a look here. I'm going to open my magic bag of tricks. That's what Felix, remember Felix the cat? We were talking Ooh, about reference him, to last episode for sure. <laughs> Which apparently First thing is, I'm going to pull out. It's still relevant. It's my Doug mug. My Doug mug. Gotta have the Doug mug. I gotta get that out first. There was ice stuck to it, so hang on. 
Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, this is. I should have been ready here. Okay, that's here all right, Eric. Let, while you're doing that, I want you yeah. to guess what my beer is, and I'll give you a hint. <laughs> I, I once again, this is actually going to be yeah. funny because the truth is, I didn't buy anything for the show. I always forget. I don't know how. I always forget to go get brand new beers we've never tried on the show on record re- recording day. Yeah. Uh, so I only have like near beer on me right now because it's hot okay. out. I'm doing a lot of yard work. So I'll tell you, good, for, good. straight up, I've got Coors Light for my second beer tonight because we've got a lot of Coors Light sure. on hand. My first yeah. beer is something that is less beer-like than Coors Light. Ooh. Yeah, but local it, it, to you. In two different ways. No, it's not local to okay. me. By any means. It is, oh, okay, it is okay. domestic. What what less? kind of beer is less than, you know, your big three, your, your Miller, your Bud, and your Coors? What is less respected than those beers? PBR? Ooh, you're in the ballpark. What else? You're thinking Milwaukee beers. Red Stripe? No, no, no. Wait, oh, Red Stripe's not it. Okay, hold on. Isn't it a Milwaukee beer? Yeah, it's a Milwaukee beer. Milwaukee's best. Eric, you are pretty much correct. Old Milwaukee. Old Milwaukee. That's now, what I meant. Yeah, Old so, Milwaukee. Yeah. First of all, I have Old Milwaukee on hand, and here's the most. Can you read what it says? Old Milwaukee, America's not. Oh no, non-alcoholic. And it actually says near beer on it. Near beer. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so technically, it's 0.5 percent alcohol. So it's gotten something. It's got let something. Me ex- let me explain to this, and this just shows. So okay. first of all. I enjoy beer because it tastes delicious. Yes. If, if I had if I had it my way and all beer tasted mm-hmm. the same but had no alcohol, I would prefer that. I don't. I'm not drinking it to get crazy. I'm drinking it because it's okay. delicious. That's that's yes. the truth. So I, I wanted agree. To, I, I wanted agree. to try some beers since I'm already drinking Coors Light anyways. I wanted to get a, mm-hmm. a 12 pack of beers and just say you know what when I'm when we're hanging out. And I and I want to have six beers in a night. I don't need six beers worth of alcohol in a night. I just want to enjoy six beers because they're delicious and cold, and we're hanging out and it's a good time. So yep. I picked up some of these to give it a shot. So I'll have this as my first beer tonight. I'd what, be I'm, what I'm eager to hear how you like it because I haven't had an old Milwaukee since back in my twenties, probably, <laughs> uh, where I used to drink the Red Stripes and the PBRs, the Mickey's and the. Yep. Steel Reserve. Got, oh, that's something else right there. Ugh. Steel Reserve. Ugh. I um, I got one that is close to your home. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. All right. I got one from Golden Road. Golden Road Brewing, and it's called Street Cart. It's one I haven't had before. Lime and salt cerveza. Now I've had a lime and salt one before, and it was yeah. too salty, too limey. So. I'm hoping I have ho- high hopes for this one. Where's Golden Road is. from? I'm not. Why am I not familiar with that one? I thought Golden Road was in Auburn. What does it say on the can there? Oh no, it says Los Angeles. I'm sorry. I thought this was in Auburn for some reason. Yeah, it nope. sounds like that. Sounds like an, an LA style cerveza where they kind of do that mashup lager, Hispanic, um, you yeah. know, lime and salt thing all in one beer. Which is, those are good, man. Kind of like Danny Trejo's cerveza. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Oh, one, yeah, one of my yeah, beer yeah, of the yeah, years. Exactly. Here we go, man. You ready? All right, I am so ready. Eric, cheers! To this. Cheers! <laughs> ah, fresh and delicious, not beer. <laughs> I slur- I slurped a little bit. Did you now? Um. Yeah. 
What are you thinking? So my wife and my wife and I went through a little thing with uh, Golden Road. They they have those. Uh, remember those mango beers? They had like mango yeah. and and pineapple. You can get the variety pack. We we actually enjoyed those in summertime. They're actually pretty decent. Um, yeah, like, isn't, it called, people, isn't it called Mango Road? Yes, yes, exactly. Or Mango, exactly. yeah, mango or Road. Mango Cart, Mango Road, something like that. No, it's called Mango Cart. Mango Cart. Yeah, you're right. Because the brewery is 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 uh, Golden Road, um, but this one's called Street Cart. And then there were like Mango Cart, and then there's like I don't know. Other, wow, we're putting other... it together now, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. People are screaming but, um, their microphones. We're like idiots. Put it together. <laughs> but we enjoyed we enjoyed those, and this one. Um, so I, I I figured I wanted to try this because we liked those other ones. I kind of I kind of burned out on those other ones, so I haven't had them in a couple of years. But um, this is this is exactly what I said. Not so salty, not so limey, just smooth, easy drinking. If I had to give any criticism, it is a little bit of a lack of flavor, but that's kind of a trait of of cerveza. You know what I mean? Um, but no, I it's good. It's so it's like a cerveza, but with a little bit of salt, a little bit of lime, but not enough where it's overpowering. So it's good. Great summer. It's going to be a good summer beer. Gotcha. All right, I'll answer mine. Old Milwaukee. America's non-alcoholic <laughs> near beer. Yeah. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm breaking yeah. protocol here. I'm opening this Coors Light back up. Because this, okay. this is what we're comparing it to, pretty much, right? An actual alcoholic light beer. That's right. Old Milwaukee near beer has more flavor. Does it? It tastes more like a beer to me than Coors Light does. That's that's impressive. That's interesting. Have you, it tastes like, um, yeah. I mean, it tastes like the Milwaukee beers. Like, have you ever had uh, like Golden Trout Lager? Um, yeah, it tastes I like have. one of those. It's got more going on. That's not. It, that's not it's bad. Good. That's not. It's bad. good. Um, okay. It might be my mental state. I do feel like there's something missing, and that's probably alcohol. But I, I this is great. Well, then there you go. You've you've succeeded. I, I'm with you because I'm happy with it. Uh, I have a neighbor in my. I have somebody in my neighborhood. They're not my direct neighbor, but they won't drink a beer unless it's like six percent or higher. They're like, "What's the point?" Like you know. So like when I bring over eight oh fives at four point five or something like that, they're just like, "What's the point of drinking that?" And I'm just like, "Cause it tastes really good." It here's, here's like, two things, right? Tastes good, and. Yeah. I enjoy the flavor to the point where I want to drink three, four, five, maybe six of them. And I don't need yeah. that much alcohol just to hang out on a Tuesday night. That's right. Um, and it, uh, tangent here, but it reminds me of people who, uh, I need to make a market for this, but people who swear up and down, they're like, uh, I probably talked about this on the show five or six times at this point, but man, you've got to try that Patron Silver. This stuff's amazing. It's so good and so smooth, you can't even taste it. And I'm like, you're going to pay 30, 40 bucks a bottle for something that's literally like almost as tasteful as water. Water is virtually free. I mean, I will, I will go bottle you some water and and charge you $20 a bottle and save you some money. You can mix that with anything and won't even taste it. I'm buying the stuff because I want to taste it. Darn it. I don't understand the point, but Hey, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Getting off my soapbox. Eric. Yeah. Let's go ahead and let everyone know how they can get a hold of us. Oh wait, no, no, no! I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we have we to get to our. We yeah. got to get to our rotten feedback. So, 
Uh, you know, yeah. we'll just do this quickly. There's not much here, you know. So, um, <laughs> first, first and foremost, Eric, someone figured out what game you were talking about uh, last. Uh, was it two episodes ago when you were talking about the Human League? Yes, exactly. It, it, yes, it was. It was called the Human Race. Is the it was, game? It, it was a Commodore sixty four game, right? That's right, and it had excellent music by Rob Hubbard, and I remembered stuff, but it was a horrible game, very confusing. We, I think it was because we were talking about confusing games, and bat I said poop, the Human bat League. Bat Poop Crazy Games. Yes, Bat Poop Crazy Game, and I said <laughs> the Human League. I don't know why I had that stuck in my head. I didn't research that at all. It was an off-the-cuff answer, um, but it was somebody – was it Tim or was it somebody else? I thought it might have been Tim. No, nah, Tim, Tim followed up on it but because um, that, right, he had a copy right. of it somewhere in his house. But <laughs> I yeah, can't exactly. remember it now. But I it's apologize. It's called The Human Race, and it's still – but he confirmed. Everyone confirmed. It's, you couldn't, can't even get off the first level because it's just crazy. It's a nutty game. But we did find a ROM by looking online uh, that is basically a SID file of music by the 80s band The Human League. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> which is a nice little tune. So there you go. Yeah. Adam from Commodore Chronicles reached out just to point out, and correctly so, not that he needed us to talk about it on this show, but I'm doing it anyways, uh, mm-hmm. because I've been using some some filters, some noise filters, to reduce yeah. the, the dead air on the show so that you don't hear my computer clicking like crazy below me. Normally, I don't go as hard on the filter, but it clicks so loud right now. I need to replace this thing. I bought a new one to replace it almost a year ago at this point. Need to replace it. Uh, yeah. That being said, we dropped out for for quite a while. Apparently, so our, our last episode has some dead air where we're talking, but we're apparently we're breath talking so quietly you can't hear us because the noise gate oh, wow. killed it. So all right, my bad, my bad. All good. It happens. It happens. Now we've got to address right. Eric. We've gone. Yep. We've gone. Um, and and we're, this is kind of tongue in cheek because we really didn't get that big in that big of trouble or anything. But we've gone almost five years without ruffling someone's feathers, pretty yeah, much at all. Ruffling someone's feathers badly, yes. I, yes, I yes. And I'm not saying anyone here really had their feathers ruffled, but I think we want to do our due diligence, right? To yep. to cover some opinions, and if we said some things that people took a certain way, uh, I want to make sure we address that for lots of reasons. So. Yeah, uh, we had a person and uh, on, on our Discord that mentioned this. Uh, Eric, you were talking about the game Unrecorded, which really it's quickly Unrecord. It's Unrecord. Unrecord. Okay, yeah. thank you. And do you yep. remember why? Why was that game something we were talking about? Why, why did you bring that particular game up? Oh, I just brought it up in our news because even though it wasn't retro at all, I wanted to. I, I guess in a tangent way, it kind of is how far graphics have progressed. Yeah. Um, so I just brought it up as a news item going, hey, have you seen this going around? Because everybody's looking at this clip. And we played it on the show um, on our audio. You know, we uh, pulling back the curtain again. We, we kind of watch some of that stuff so we can all talk about it. Um, and it looks so realistic. Super real. And it is. And it looks like it's from the web, like a, I'm sorry, a um, body cam on a police officer. And he's going yeah. through like this warehouse. Um, and that's really the game is it's the view from his body cam. Um, but it looks, I mean, we, we talk about this all the time. Like this game looks so realistic. 
it doesn't compare to unrecord it unrecord looks like it's uh like f- footage from a news article or something i mean yes it's ridiculous how accurate or how realistic it is and the game itself you know it's not released or anything yet people looking at the footage but the game is your this investigator officer or whatever run through the building and you are shooting a lot of people and it looks super mm-hmm. real so yep, you had definitely. mentioned on the show uh while you're running through this that you know it's created some controversy so i went back mm-hmm. and listened to this because uh our, our friend on discord who i won't name here but if you're on the discord of course he posted it so you can find out but had a very good point uh so i wanted to identify it here it made and i went back and listened to it and it's if you could you could the way we talked about it you could take it as if we were laughing that people were upset by the hyper realism of such a violent game Okay. So I just want to kind of do two things. First of all, just explain from my view how we portrayed it real quick, and then also bring to light some um, some of this person's comments because they're completely valid, and I think they're important. They're important enough for for him to reach out and say it. So I, I'd love to give it the time. So when you mentioned that this game had some controversy around it, and I'm looking at this video thinking, yeah, of course it does. I mean, it's yes, very real and very violent. And my re- my response, even though in my head was like, because you and I don't get very p- political. We 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 specifically try to stay. We have our own views. We have politics. We, we're not void of them, but we try sure. not to incorporate that because that's its own thing. But when you, when we heard when at least this is my point of view. When I heard that this was controversial and I saw it, I kind of let out a small laugh and didn't respond or say anything. It was kind of a huh, you know like a <laughs> yeah. Which right. to me was me indicating like, yep, I get it. I don't want to touch that here. <laughs> That's what I was trying to get across. What it probably sounded yes. like was you saying people are offended by how violent it's kind of controversial. I mean, laughing about that, which is not how I wanted that to come across. Did you? Is that how you heard it? That's how I heard it. And knowing okay. you like I know you. I knew that that's what you were talking about. Like, oh, why are we talking about this? We should steer clear of this. Yeah, and which, we probably should have. <laughs> we probably should have because we should have. We should have just said, "Hey, there's this unrecord. Look at the graphics; they're amazing." And they moved on. And that's that's kind of what I take away from it. But I didn't mention yeah. the controversy because I did, and I did, I did kind of go well. And I and I do still believe this that you, you you're not going to stop progress. I mean, we've gone from Castle Wolfenstein and Doom to now and yeah. whether it's and whether it's um one a game somewhere in there like call of duty or you know the the modern battlefields progress is going to move forward Technical whether you progress. like it or not and if you're yeah exactly and if you're a parent you have a duty to monitor what your kids do and and you have a say to stop them doing something you don't want them to do as a 52 year old dude, <laughs> I think the game looks interesting and I might play it because I, the, the advance of technology is going to move forward one way or another. That's yeah. the only point. That's the point I really meant to, but I could see how it came across as smug, like, well, you're not going to stop this, you know, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. But, but I, but you, ha- as a parent, and I, I get that kids are going to play it one way or another, but if you're going to, if you're going to try to put your thumb in the hole in the dam to keep this kind of stuff from coming out, <laughs> If history has told us anything over years and years and decades and decades, you're not going to be able to do it. it yeah. You're not, it, you're going to, you can do it with your own kid, but you're not going to stop it in general. I mean, they, they've, they've tried that and it just didn't yeah. work. So, so that, yeah, we were trying to give our take on the technical mm-hmm. progress of it. 
yep. the fact that we didn't want to get involved in a political discussion, but also the fact that history, history kind of proves this stuff will keep, keep getting better and better and better. Just like we've been talking about AI. I'm more afraid of AI, to be honest with you. But anyways, that's a whole other discussion. Um, but right. <laughs> this person... This person, again, I, I thank them very much for their 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 input because uh, you know they're concerned with something that was as visceral of this in the hands of eight to nine year old children is terrifying. Um, I don't disagree per se, uh, and no. I came and I came from a from a family. I w- couldn't watch a PG thirteen movie until I was thirteen, and an R movie until I was sixteen, and. Uh, We'll talk about. Actually, I want to talk about this a little bit later. But I wasn't allowed to play Doom. I had to play games where I wasn't shooting anything else that looked like humans. Uh, yeah. So, any, anyways, yeah, but I, you're killing demons. You're killing. They're demons. the bad guys. They're the bad guys. So, anyways, I want to say thank you for for bringing yeah. that to our attention. Um, at the same time, I also want to say I love that our Discord is able, is comfortable saying these things, and that people responded yeah. logically and with pe- compassion, even though they had different views. And it, it it was short and sweet. People got their ideas out and moved on. Like it was a great community. Uh, no one got their feathers ruffled, uh, really. Um, just people were able to give some of their own viewpoints in you know in a, in a space where other people respected them. So that was super cool. Yep. Number two, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I'll and take I, the brunt of, no, of that first one, but you got it. You got it. You're going to take the brunt of this. I one. own Go this ahead. one. How about you? How about you explain <laughs> this one, Eric? Since yep. So 48K Ram mentioned on our Discord, and again, we love all feedback, negative or positive. A lot of people say that, but they don't really mean it. We love all of it. But he mentioned that you were, I think, in a way mocking, because we talked about Nokia phones, yep. and about this preservation of, of games, and they, people were really diving into it to preserve .o versions of multiple versions of these games like going out well they need to preserve .03.04.05 and purchasing and, thousands of dollars worth of phones in hope of trying to find a version that's not yet preserved yeah and yeah. and I, I i went back and listened to this and and a few people jumped in on the discord like pajaco he gave his because he worked on mobile games yeah. which i think is really cool um and I, I in the article I mentioned I've even given money to preservation projects to you know to either scan in magazines or preserve things. I'm big. I love preservation stuff like that. Um, I, I you know I would I do Nokia phones? No, because I I mean I didn't play. I only played Snake on Nokia phones, but. Um, <laughs> So there's no nostalgia there for me, but I'm all for it. If someone out there has a nostalgia for it and they love it, then all, more power to them. It's their money. They can spend thousands of dollars on on getting different phones and hoping people left games on there that they could somehow dump out of there. And, and my, and my just, way of saying that was you do you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you said you do you but, you, you, but you scratched your head and you didn't understand why they would do it. Yeah. And, and I'm not here to defend you. But I am going to say, you're allowed to have your opinion. If, dude, if you just came right out and said, you know, I, don't, I think that's stupid. Why would we want to preserve old phone games on old phones? That's your opinion. You can have it. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's, that's your opinion. that's not what I feel or think. But yes, I understand that what you mean. Yeah. But that is not what you feel. It is not what you think. And you, that's not what you said either. Um, you just were like wondering, wow, that, that, what motivates people to do that? I mean, yeah. it, it, it's weird. And that's okay. I, 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 uh, I, I mean, I just think that we're allowed to have our hot takes because that's what the show's about. Hot takes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So 
and again, I'm not defending myself either. If, if you go back and listen to that, you'll hear me kind of realizing that I'm saying things not quite the way I want them to come out, and I'm trying to backpedal yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah. As I was saying that, I was disagreeing with my own words as I was saying it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, ultimately, uh, I, I don't disagree uh, with, and this one I don't mind mentioning it because it's uh, Mr. Josh Malone, 48K Ram. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, the point I was trying to get across is preservation is cool. I'm glad people preserve all kinds of things. This one just doesn't personally make sense to me. And I'm glad mm-hmm. this person is able to do what they enjoy. Just for me, it, you know, I'm trying to understand what makes somebody so interested in this particular endeavor that they're going, willing to go through all this. When, to me, in my opinion, there's so many other things that are more viable to go out and try to save. But, you know, I don't know. That's exactly it. It's, yeah. I, I wanted people to hear my opinion of uh, how interesting is this that, you know, mm-hmm. and respect somebody for how much passion they have or something, but at the same time, not totally get it, you know? But, yeah, I mean. <laughs> that's what I'm getting for. That's what I was trying to get at. But, it, like, like you know, you know <laughs> I'm going to bring this up. You know those little rubber puppets you have in the Moglins? My Moglins. Yes, my Moglins. Yeah. I think when you showed me that, I was like, oh, you know, wow, it's like a rubber puppet, dude. You know, I, I, I didn't have those when I was a kid. I yep. didn't have them. But when you showed me those, I was like, that's awesome. I love it when people find a passion in something and they go out and they get it or do it or whatever. And that's uh, that's my opinion on the Nokia thing. I'm not going to do it because yep. I don't have an affinity for Nokia phones and the games on there. But there are people out there that I'm sure were way into it. More power to them. I, I think it's interesting and I love it. And, my wife, and I know that you my feel wife, that way deep down too. Yeah, yeah. No, and my, and my wife always likes to use the, this phrase from the, mo- the, the show Shit's Creek. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the daughter. She's, yeah. Oh, oh, I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, someone's that's trying to get to all it. excited about something and tell her all that. Yeah, I love, I love that for you. <laughs> um, that's a good way anyways. to put it. Yeah. So, two things, two takeaways. First of all, great community. Thanks for being able to spout your opinions and listen to our opinions and not be completely upset by it. And the other point is, uh, if we don't give opinions and and don't have anything worth saying, then no one ever gets upset, and it's a boring show. That's just the truth of it. That's right. If we don't have opinion, I mean, we're not here to give you um, factual information like a lot of other shows out there. We're here to be entertaining, and we're not going to be entertaining by just <laughs> di- listing off uh, us making up facts or just saying, here's a game, and it has this. Fun. Next game, you know? So, it is yeah. what it is. Love all you guys out there. Thanks for the input. Let's get uh, back to talk about more games right after we let everyone know how they can get a hold of us and rock out to a Patreon song. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project that's at d-u-h-p-r-o-j-e-c-t and you can reach cody at oddball which is at o-d-d-b-a-1149 you can also reach me that's tim at sanxion and that's at s-a-n-x-i-o-n Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. 
you can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com and we'd love any feedback and also please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show we also have a patreon account set up so if you wish to support the show financially you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixel you can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars if you do so you'll get access to the amigos retro network discord server where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show but the other shows such as bright castle and of course the amigos um, amongst other shows and there's various other topics in there um, everything from for sale to music to uh high score contests things like that if you support us at the three dollar or more tier we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on pixel guide and using our random adjective generator and this month move on over rover because we're letting jimmy take over the perfect man you Ackerman. Daniel James Righteous Ten minutes Amigo Retrocast The Diplomatic Eric Sandgren Lean My chase is now Ski Yeah yeah Crazy Paradoy The Orderly Mitsuyama Captain David Vincent and the steady and stiller Modest Jason Holland And the cheese and Mr. Toad Paul Jacobson The British rap okay Rom okay yeah Pixel got his show With three dudes and a microphone Talking about the good old Good quick question. They'll talk for hours and hours and hours. And it's sure to entertain. The saucy Brian Arsenal. The fuzzy David Cavalry. Impetuous Adam from Commodore Chronicles. The cruel Mark Richardson Revolting David Motorak Rum, rum, Scott Harlow Hot-headed Henrik Lobo Impatient Roy Fielding And the popular Josh Malone And a microphone Talking about the good old days You ask a good quick question They'll talk for hours and hours and hours And it's sure to entertain
this month on Eric's Take, I will be talking about party games. Now, many months ago, many, many months ago, I did a segment on my favorite multiplayer games, but this is different. This will be a segment on games that I played when I was either at someone else's house or at my house and we were throwing a party with over eight to ten people. Um definitely the games differed than just playing multiplayer games where you had two or three friends over. And so I kind of want to cover those throughout the years. The first game I'll mention is kind of the, the, the biggest party game I've ever played. Uh, me and my family went a little crazy uh, regarding this game. Uh, and that game is Rock Band. And I know that's not going to be a secret to anybody. And it, it is retro now. It's been a long time. Uh, I, I know it's been well over 12, 13 years when I started getting into Rock Band and buying all the peripherals and all the equipment. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about my time with Rock Band. I remember when I got into Rock Band, all my friends were getting into Rock Band. And we were all... Not all of us, but a lot of us were musicians way back in the day. We played guitars and basses and drums and stuff. And when Rock Band came out, it was just a fun game to play with all of your friends. And whenever we had parties at my house, I remember in particular a lot of Christmas parties, um, a lot of just birthday parties, just parties for any occasion, really. We would bust out all the Rock Band equipment and... And I even was able to get my wife into it. Uh, she loved it. She was very. She got very, very good with the drums. But we had everything: the full drum kit. We had multiple guitars, microphones, and we even brought in a mic mic stand from a regular microphone so that we could play guitar and sing at the same time. Um, we had basses. We had. Um, just we had every peripheral pretty much that you could get for rock band. And if we didn't have it then one of our friends had it and would bring it over when we had parties. But I remember in particular parties of 15, 20 people would come in and we would have kind of house rules and everybody had different house rules where we would um, play as a band and we would play two or three songs and then we would all get up and let three or four more people jump in there and play play three songs because we didn't want to just sit down, play a two, three minute song um, or a three, four minute song and, and then have to get up, you know, if people were adjusting the drums and adjusting the stool, I mean, it is, sounds kind of silly to take it so seriously, but you know, adjusting the guitar straps and all that kind of stuff. We didn't want to just do one song and done. So we would do three songs, get up new, new people would come in and play and we would, play rock band. And, and the cool thing is everyone had a good time because even when you weren't playing in rock band, um, you could be a spectator and watch and it was fun. It was kind of like a advanced karaoke kind of deal. Um, I really miss it. We haven't played rock band here at my house in so many years. Uh, just, you know, first of all, we have kids that are older now and we don't have as many um, parties at the house. We just, don't do it. I still have all my stuff, though, um, in varying states of disrepair or whatever. I know all the drum parts are out in the garage, and I could see that it's missing parts and things like that, and that's kind of sad. Um, 
Another thing I think about with Rock Band is how much money I spent on Rock Band. It is pretty grotesque because I have three different Rock Bands. I have Rock Band, Rock Band 2, and Rock Band The Beatles. Um, And that wasn't the big cost, buying the games, but buying the songs. Um, If you were a Rock Band and you remember the days, every week, I think it was, either a week or two weeks or whatever, they would release a music pack. And sometimes it would just be themed like, um, you know, a particular band and they would release two or three songs or it would be like uh, um, like alternative rock and they would release two or three songs or it would be uh, pop songs or whatever. They would release these packs every two or three weeks. And I got so obsessed with rock band and playing with friends that I'd buy almost every pack that came out, even if they were songs I didn't really like, because you never know what other people are going to like. So I I still have my Xbox 360, and I still have the hard drive. And I, I would love to boot that up and just make sure that all those songs are still there, and they should be, uh, because when that hard drive dies, I know that I'm sure that they've pulled licenses for a lot of those songs, and that would be really too bad. Um I remember a lot of cool songs like my my like I said, my wife really got into it, which is funny because she's not a gamer, but she really enjoyed doing the drums. So she would always be at the drums. And there were a few songs that were um, really complicated, like uh, Maps by the Ya Ya Ya's. And uh, I think there was a Soundgarden song and she just nailed it every time. Um, and I, I tended to play guitar or bass and I would sing quite a bit. Um, and a lot of my, my songs were just favorite ones, some dorky ones. Like I remember I, there were, um, I think two different monkey songs and I love those last train to Clarksville and I'm a believer. Um, but I loved, I, I, there were a lot of songs, frankly, rock band really introduced me to a lot of different songs too. Um, like I knew um, Carry On My Wayward Son by, I think it's Kansas. Uh, I knew that song, of course. It would have been on the radio a lot. But Rock Band really, I guess, gave me an appreciation for the song itself. Um, and I just have so many great party memories of Rock Band. And I don't remember anyone ever having a bad time. And I remember even the shyest people would step in because they could just play guitar or they could just do whatever. Um, you did have to really not be too shy to sing. And, um, you know, so some people would just avoid that at all costs. But uh, I I think it, I think really even to this day, Rock Band's the top party game I've ever played. And I, I kind of wish it was back in my life, to be honest. It was a lot of fun. And that'll bring me to my second party game. And this one... I've been thinking about a lot lately because the the boys on ARG Presents, they uh, basically did a show where they picked what Pixel Gaiden got wrong from our Six Good Games segment. And they picked two of mine. Uh, and one of them was Super Bomberman 2. And I, I'm definitely not going to sit here and debate what they said. They have their own opinions and, and that's great. And And a lot of their points I totally agree with. Uh, but I will say this about Bomberman. Um, you know, the old internet meme about th- that just says, you know, if you're not, if you're, if you're doing poorly at a game, just get good. G I T G U D get good. Um, with Bomberman, 
it really takes about 20 to 30 minutes to get pretty decent at the game. And even so, even um, to prove this, again, my wife, who is not a gamer at all, um, we would play Bomberman Live on Xbox 360 a lot at parties, um, mainly because all my friends had Xbox 360s and we had multiple controllers and you could have a ton of players in, in Bomberman Live um, on the Xbox 360. Yeah, when in the beginning she wasn't that great, but she would play and after about a half an hour she could compete um now now i will say this we weren't um we weren't just people that were mean spirited so we would play game of bomberman and if there was clearly someone who was playing head and shoulders above everyone like they were really good yes they would play two or three rounds and then they would go and have a drink and and do whatever um, and then the people that maybe weren't so good at it would come in. So we would kind of have, there was enough people at our parties where people were, that were interested in learning how to play the game could play in an, in a game where there weren't, there wasn't someone who was super good at it. And that was one of their big arguments about it was that, yeah, people that weren't Bomberman just kind of had to sit out. And that is one of the things I'll agree with the boys on ARG Presents. If you get killed early in Bomberman, you have to watch the rest of the people play. And uh, so you're sitting out a lot. But when there's alcohol involved in your party, that's not such a bad thing. You can just step away and go have a drink, talk with someone, and jump back into the game. Now, that's Bomberman Live on Xbox 360. The game, I now, that what all started in that was playing Super Bomberman 2 on my Super Nintendo back in the day. And we would have parties a lot where it was three of my core friends, and we would have we would play Super Bomberman 2, but we would also have all these people over that were friends and, and you know, friends of friends and people we didn't really know. And we were all single back, back in those days, in the Super Nintendo days. Um, so the cool thing is when you got killed in Bomberman, you would just go get up, grab a drink, and go flirt with the chick in the corner. I mean, that's really what we did. So... There was no downside to losing at Bomberman if your party is do is going okay. Um, so I, I, when I was listening to him, I was kind of scratching my head, going, "Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, in our parties, there would be other things going on at the party, not just the video game. The video game was kind of a side thing that maybe people were watching everyone play, but there were other things going on at the party. And I will say, my group of friends were very cool about if they were playing and being really, really good at the game, then they would step away after a while and let other people play maybe that didn't have enough experience. Um, we were never there to clobber people. It wasn't a competitive party scene with these games. So those two games I remember are my some of my favorite party games of all time. I mean, I love those games. Um, now, now, to contrast that... I want to bring up this party game and this one is very competitive. So yeah, other people in the party would be doing their own thing, listening to music, talking in the kitchen, doing whatever, but we would play street fighter two on the super Nintendo at parties. And it was to see who the King Dong was. And we we got into super battles. Now, that's not to say other people wouldn't step in because we would only play for maybe 20 minutes, half an hour at a time, and then 
we would want to go mingle in the party and get, grab a drink or whatever. And people would step up and just kind of dork around the game and play, play it. And it, it worked out really well. But I do remember that even though it's only a two player game, I do remember play, seeing that playing. It was playing in the background of the parties that we would go to sometimes. And it was just great because the, the great thing about street fighter two is it's a fantastic spectator game. I mean, we would have just battle Royales where we would play King of the Hill, where, you know, two players would play whoever got defeated, had to leave and a new challenger stepped up and we could do that for an hour or two while the party's going on and people would watch or people would go and come and go and have fun. But that one was like, you had to bring your skills and I remember making people very upset because they would always play Ken. They would always play Ryu. They would always play Chun-Li. Those are the three. I loved playing Blanca, Honda, Zangief. And I would get very good at those three. Like I would call them oddball players and just make the Ryu players out there very mad because I'd beat them all the time. Um but that's another game I have very, very good party memories of. Street Fighter 2 on the Super Nintendo. And those are the top three that I'm really going to mention. These other ones were runner-up. I remember playing these at parties, but um, I, I don't want to go too much into them because I honestly I don't remember that much about them, um, about details in the parties. But um, one of them was uh, Super Smash Bros. I remember we had... Um, on the uh, when I first got my N64 and was playing it, uh, we had a party at the House of Christmas party, and we kind of played that a little bit. Not that much. I think it was only one time, but that's a fun game um, to play back and forth. Another, of course, is Mario Kart. Um, I remember playing Mario Kart in the Wii, and and that brings us to the Wii. The Wii is a great party machine because there's a lot of games on there like Wii Sports. I remember playing Wii Sports at a party once where we were playing the archery game almost the whole time because the archery game is awesome in that game. And we would play the archery game against each other and bowling. I remember playing the bowling game. Um, I, my my Ouya back in the day, we would play Towerfall because I had four Ouya controllers and we, we, I remember two parties where we played Towerfall. Towerfall, for those that don't know, is a game where you have a little character, you can jump from platform to platform, and you have a bow and arrow. You're, you have a finite number of arrows, but they stick around the level after you miss somebody, so you, can, you have to go collect your arrows, and then you're sitting there trying to hit each other. A blast. We had a lot of fun with that one. I remember at least two parties where we played the Ouya and Towerfall. And really that's that. I mean, I hate to say it with the Ouya, but I mean, I, I really liked playing a lot of the games on the Ouya, but it, it stood out because it was a kind of a fun little party machine. Uh, cause it could hook to any TV really quickly cause it was so small. Um, and then another one I wanted to mention was my daughter would have uh, sleepovers and she would have, uh, maybe three, four friends over and they would play just dance and I remember them having their parties and they would make me play with them. And so I was sitting there dancing to these uh, um, I, like like modern girl pop style songs, which I had no idea, never heard these songs before. But I would dance with them and have a good time. And really, that's what it's about. I mean, is having fun. But I do I do miss um, those days. I just we don't have parties much anymore because we just 
you know, our kids have grown, gotten bigger. They've, they've kind of outgrown just having parties at the house and all of our old friends have moved away or are gone. And so we don't really play a lot of party games anymore. And I do miss that time of my life. And who knows, maybe, maybe I'll try to rekindle it. I have thought about having a Christmas party, uh, maybe this coming Christmas where I try to dust off all my old rock band stuff and try to see if I can get that booted and calibrated and get it all ready for maybe have some friends over around Christmas time and playing some rock band. But anyway, thanks for listening to me talk about my memories of party games. Uh, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Welcome to Cody's Corner. Uh, this month, I wanted to talk about something that kind of occurred in my head, and I had a few interesting thoughts about it, so I thought it was worth bringing up here on the show. Uh, and I'm entitling this Pixel Graphics and Suspending Reality. Um, essentially, what I was thinking about is I, I find myself playing, of course, a lot of old retro games um, and a lot of indie games, current indie games, and just being enthralled by them. And every once in a while, I'll get a wild hair and I'll try a newer game, especially now that I have like Xbox Gold and I can try new games, you know, for no additional cost above the indie games I already pay for, basically. Uh, what, $15 a month and you get to play all these, you know, 200 plus games. And I, I keep telling myself, you know, hey, I'm not going to try one of these big $60 games because I'm going to get sucked into it and they're, they're going to take a ton of time. But every time I do try to get into one, the truth is, I most of them I don't click with. I can't. Um, I can't gel with. I don't find the interest. I don't. It's not that I have to pull myself away from them. It's the exact opposite. And I'm trying to figure out why that is. Uh, and I had a couple, a couple ideas. And ultimately, I think what it comes down to is it's you know kind of that old thing, right? Where it's kind of snooty, I guess, to a point. But you know, if you've seen the movie of something, you go tell somebody about it, and they say, "Oh, yeah, the movie was okay, but you should have read the book. The book was so much better." And that kind of goes in your mind, right? How can a book, how can words on a, on paper be better than a multi-billion-dollar Hollywood budget, whatever it is, um, to to watch a movie and have all this stuff displayed in front of you and just sit there for the ride and getting gorged in the sound and the visuals and all this stuff going on. And, you know, ultimately what that, what that comes down to, I think is in the book, you're reading words and your mind is filling in the blanks. It's creating the way this person looks. I know you get some details in the book, you get a lot of details, but it's not thrown in front of you. Your mind is creating the most entertaining version of that story for you. Um, so, so why am I talking about this, right? I'm talking about pixel graphics, why I'm drawn to them, and how you know new games with um, story and you know graphics that are so good they look lifelike, things like that, aren't as engaging to me. And I think that's the main 
thing there is you get to let your imagination run wild. Now, I've talked about some of these examples before, but one of the best ones, I've been playing the new um, Return to Monkey Island game. And although I'll talk a bit more about that during our Catching Up segment this month, uh, what I really wanted to bring up was that the first thing I noticed when turning on this uh, this game is that there are you know, voiceovers. There are voice actors uh, reading for each character and things like that. And I've talked about this in the past, but when it comes to point-and-click adventures and stuff like that, my memory always goes back to the ones as a kid, Sam and Max, the original uh, uh, Monkey Island games, um, King's Quest, Space Quest, games like that. And you'd read the, what they were saying in text over their head, which sounds like more work, but your mind created these characters, you know? You saw a few pixels that just kind of described their face, and you're filling in the blanks, you know? You're essentially giving visual cues, but you're kind of like reading a book. You're creating this world and these characters in your head, and they're that much funnier, that much more interesting, that much everything. Uh, when it's spoon-fed to you, it's more, it feels more like work, um, which is kind of odd to say because, you know, technology improves. You want everything to be more realistic, right? But I, I totally feel like the Monkey Island game felt that much better right after I turned off all of the voice acting and just went to speech bubbles. So that's my recommendation for any of these point-and-click games nowadays, uh, which, of course, have voice acting, some of it very good. Uh, but it takes me out of it. It, takes, it makes me feel like I'm playing a game. If I read it, I can get lost in it. Um, yeah, so that being said, you know, there's a lot of point and clicks that are kind of coming back. Uh, so that's that's one aspect of it. But outside of just talking about text, you know, a game like, uh, you know, a 2D side-scrolling Metroidvania, right, with this creepy atmosphere, something like a Metroid, um, where you're kind of giving these beautiful worlds, right, filled with pixels, um, you know, uh, your mind fills in what those pixels, you know, the the little amount of detail they have, your mind fills in what is perfect for you in that atmosphere, what creates the drama and creates the characters and the emotion and stuff like that. Now, I do love modern indie titles that are, you know, hand-drawn and very descriptive, uh, typically more the cartoony ones, but they're when, they're, when they're super realistic, um, it leaves less to the imagination, and now you, the gameplay can still be very fun, but I'm not drawn into it as much. Um... Now, something that another one that does it well, for example, was Ori. Uh, I played some of the Ori games, O-R-I, Ori in the Blind Forest, and haven't played Will of the Wisps yet, but beautiful game, 2D side-scrolling kind of Metroidvania, Metroid-like game, um, where the way the art is drawn leaves enough to the imagination that your mind is still filling the blank, uh, even though a lot of it's laid out before you. You're not you're getting uh, these characters that have two eyes and no mouth and no face, right? So their personality isn't literally drawn on. It's created in their movements and how they communicate and how they do things. Um, But that's another thing that Nintendo has done a lot with, and I think it's one of the reasons that their games are so beloved, honestly. You go to a Nintendo game, or even a game like I just played um, from Rare, we just covered it recently on on the Nintendo 64, Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, you'll hear a lot of these games now, like characters don't talk. They make these noises and then you read the text above them, right? So, you know, or, or like Luigi's Mansion, right? They might say something like, here we go! Or or whatever, you know? Um, and make a little vo- vocal expressions, oh, whatever. 
but when they're talking, they just kind of go, you know, and then there's some words coming up, and then maybe a bigger character with a lower voice, and then there's some more words, right? You'll notice a lot of these kind of family-friendly games, these games that are meant to bring a, a wider audience of people in do these things. And honestly, I think that the, there's a secret sauce there that they know you're going to be more drawn into these characters if they don't give you all the information. They don't give you the way the character sounds. They don't give you everything the character is saying. You know, they'll make uh, they'll say something basic to get you where you're looking to go. This is what you need to do next, or this is the issue we're running into. But the emotion is more in the character's little actions or facial expressions or, um, you know, when they, they duck and hold their head and little uh, sweat comes off their head, you know, they're scared, right? Um, I think these are things that are they let your imagination run wild, wild and they make the games better. Um, on the contrary, you've got something that Eric and I, you know, personally aren't a huge fan of, which is games with big cutscenes where you're watching more or less a movie. And, uh, you know, even as good and as realistic-ish as it is, it's not to the point yet where it's a movie and you, it feels, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uncanny Valley, right? You can tell these are not humans having these discussions. Um, you can tell that they're trying really hard to look as real as possible, but there's something wrong about it. And it's hard to engage. It's hard to care about the characters because they're so blatantly laid out in front of you. Um, you know, the, the, in the same way, you know, people I know have gotten really into the characters in like Final Fantasy VII. Um, games like that where, I mean, yeah, it was a huge leap forward from 2D gameplay, 2D uh, drawings and things like that. But you still had imagination filling in the rest of the blanks for you. Um, so that's kind of the main thing I wanted to cover today uh, that I've been thinking about are pixel graphics better than, you know, sus- you know, suspending reality? Um, are they, do, do we want something super realistic or is there, is the p- pixel graphic draw of all these modern indie games, the fact that we're based on nostalgia or is it the fact that we see these characters and create a more interesting story than we can be spoon fed in our own minds and it's probably a little of both. But like I said, at the same time, these newer indie games that don't go pixel graphics routes, but still lean on some of these, uh, you know, we'll give you half of this and you create the rest, are what really draw me in and uh, and make me enjoy the game that much more. So I would love to hear what you guys have to say about it. Maybe a text adventure or something that's pure text is the way you get most ingrained into a game. I don't know. So love to hear your thoughts and uh, views on it. So please reach out to us on Pixel Gaiden at all the uh, ways you can get a hold of us. And uh, maybe we'll read your feedback on the next episode. Thank you much. Reporting the news! And this month in news again. Keeping in mind, it's been a short news week just because we've only gone a couple weeks before we recorded last. Uh, but we got some doozies here, Eric. Yeah, we got a lot. I mean, it's actually, we're not lacking, so let's get into it. Let's get into it. News item, hot take, number one. <laughs> I do mean hot. Hot hot is some fried chicken, Eric. Because over in China, my friend, the fine uh, uh, eatery restaurant establishment known as mcdonald's yeah. 
has created a China exclusive that I'm super jealous of, and so is everybody else, Eric. Uh, celebrating the McNuggets' 40th anniversary, they decided what goes better <laughs> with McNuggets, Eric. What's what when you think McNuggets? What else do you think of? Well, I think of uh, clogged arteries, and I think of Tetris. <laughs> exactly. That's what everyone thinks of Tetris. And yeah. So here is a. Here is a. Uh, I don't know if it's a Happy Meal toy or you just buy it with with your meal or what. But uh, I I love that it's shaped like <laughs> it's a freaking chicken McNugget. <laughs> it is a handheld Tetris game, like LCD style Tetris game, with uh. Four, you know, up, down, left, right, and a big flip button, and it is a large brown, orange chicken McNugget, <laughs> and and it looks so good. <laughs> Not gonna lie, yeah. comes in a super it, it, cool Chinese, uh, uh, you know, kind of. I'm gonna say Japanese looking box because a lot of that really yep. bright colors, but it's Chinese, and it's a it's a handheld Tetris game that looks like it plays a really good game of black and white Tetris. Is it weird that I really want this? Uh, I'm sure you're like me. Have you gone on eBay to try to see if you can get one? No. Okay. Are they on there? So we'll we'll do we'll do a check live to tape right here. So first of all, these games, of course, <laughs> they're McDonald's, right? So you yeah. know they're thinking about selling a few of these for with their meals or kids' meals, whatever. It does say that yeah. um, they cost uh, thirty Chinese uh, yuan. I'm probably saying that wrong. But that's equivalent to about four dollars and twenty five cents uh, in U.S. dollars. I would buy this I'd in buy part. I'd buy those. ten. Exactly. <laughs> I'd buy a bunch. <laughs> so four twenty five. I'd buy ten of those bad boys. So I've gone on eBay because, of course, they've okay. got to get out of China somehow, right? And let me try oh, it real quick. Um, They're going to show up on Alibaba. <laughs> I'm just going to write in Tetris McNugget. Yeah. So when I first went on. Uh, there was somebody sell- who, who must have bought a ton. They had like 128, and they were down to like five left. And they were selling them for forty dollars a piece. Oh man! But I think prices Gouging. are starting to drop. Here we go. So this one yeah. is twenty dollars and forty five cents, or best offer with free shipping. They've sold fifty three. Uh, this one's thirty two dollars from Hong Kong, sixty one sold. Here we got twenty eight dollars, twenty five. At twenty bucks, I might snag one. At twenty bucks, I think we need to just get two, and uh, yeah. I guess I guess at that point you might as well buy them separately. But man, because they're all they're all free shipping, I guess. But yeah, I'd so, get one for twenty so bucks. So I, I do want to do a little plug here for my my friend on the Retroist. Have you ever listened to his podcast? Uh, I have a little bit, but I, I need to listen to more. So I love the podcast. I don't miss an episode. He does seasons though, so I mean he'll do like. I don't know, 10, 15, and then he, he takes a break and then he'll do 10 or 15 more. He literally has seasons, but he did one on chicken McNuggets and about his, his memories of it as a kid and the history of it and how they were made and all that he went in super detail when they're made, they're formed. And that Tetris game literally is the shape of one of the of real nuggets. Cause they, I think there are three different shapes that nuggets come in cause they're preformed yeah, they're like and they're random ground up chicken smashed into a form and then yeah, breaded and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the one that we're looking at kind of looks like, I don't know what state looks like that, like Minnesota or Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me do geography. <laughs> but, uh, but, but it literally, that is one of the shapes. It looks like a little mini boot. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, 
it it that is one of the shapes. So I, I dude, I I I will pay twenty dollars for one of these. Twenty is about my my high limit, but I totally want one. The other thing is, it comes with a cool box. Like it's a shelf piece for sure. Oh, yeah. I wonder if we'll get the box. Most of them say they come with. They're coming with the box. I mean, these people are are literally just going to McDonald's, buying a bunch, and putting them on eBay. So they all have to have the box. What'll what'll be really disappointing is if we buy buy forty dollars of chicken McNugget Tetris games and then it comes here and they're like five bucks. <laughs> yeah, and it's like ah oh, now in America, right for sure. Yeah, I thought you were going to stop right. there, uh, but yeah, I'm I, I'm in for twenty bucks. That looks th- pretty cool. I have to admit, this looks really cool. I thought you were going to stop there and say, "Would be disappointed if we spent forty dollars on chicken chicken McNugget Tetrises." <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, next news item, Eric. Next news item here, which I believe... uh, No, this one is yours. This one is mine, and this one is... uh, Really, I threw it in here because I don't hear much about MSX games. I love the MSX. uh, New games coming out. This one is a Space Popo is a fixed shooter with a difference for the MSX. I got this from Ram OK Ram OK's website. Um, The the trick on this now, I haven't downloaded this. I haven't played it yet, but I think I'm going to do that for next episode. Um, it's a single screen fixed shooter. Um, it, it has a little twist to it in that, um, from what I understand, you have missiles and then you have lasers or something like that. Um, and there it is. So it's in the second part of that. Uh, if you scroll down a little bit there, um, your missiles don't work on aliens, but they do on the rocks. And once you've shot a rock, you can aim it towards an alien. And then he says it, it, it's definitely confusing, but it makes more sense when you play it. So I have a, a feeling that this is kind of more like almost like an Ikaruga or something like that. Not the color changes, but that you have different weapons that shoot different things and are effective against different things. Um, but man, look at the background. It's really colorful. If that's the MSX, yeah, and it so, is. So it's a kind of a bummer because I had my MSX out and I was really rocking the MSX this uh, last week for like three or four days playing all kinds of stuff. And then right when I yeah. unplugged it to plug in the new systems for our battle, it's when this came out. Um, but yeah, it's kind of got that deluxe Galaga background, kind of like yeah. very colorful neon looking background. And then I saw some video gameplay, but yeah, the, the you know the, the character at the bottom was shooting a, a, an asteroid, and then a little arrow pointed where it went, and it throw it against other enemies and destroy the enemies. So yeah, definitely looks interesting. But thanks Ramok Ramok, check out that website. Love Ramok Ramok and uh, love MSX games, man. Yeah, and this isn't just MSX MSX two. This is, uh, I think, it'll play on a regular old MSX. It does say, yeah, uh, it does say MSX. So, but yeah, it's so colorful. Cool. You might think MSX two, right? Here's the big, most recent news, and I was waiting for this to come out, and sure enough, it made a big uh, a mig to do. But we want to talk about new stuff on the Evercade, Eric. Yeah, now, and I, I've I've been seeing this fly around, but I don't know anything about it, so I'm ready for you to educate me. Okay, well, I'm going to take a step back, because we haven't talked about the previous releases on the Evercade, I don't believe. So, I think we've got some Evercade catch-up to do regardless. But, the big news, most recently, is they started doing these, um, they call them Evercade Showcases. And it's basically, everyone's doing what Nintendo does now, right? Where they do these little uh, video releases with all these upcoming games, and try to make each game look like its own big event, and build hype, right? Yeah. So, which are fun. I don't. I don't disagree with it. Um, it's a little corny the way a lot of people copy exactly what they do, down to the pacing of it, and down to the way they introduce games and talk about it. And but, anyways, right? 
That being said, Evercade released one. They have uh, six new games that they were going to announce. Now, before we talk about the six new games, I want to talk about the last batch uh, because some of the games have released now. And um, and I, I thought it was a good, a good batch last time. So uh, Commodore Collection 2 uh, did come out. Uh, Toplin Collection 2, which is purple box, I mean arcade Toplin games, mostly shooters. Uh, the, did we talk about the Team 17 Amiga cartridge? I don't think we did. I don't think we did. So an Amiga cartridge came out specific about Amiga games. So that's the third after the two, two Commodore 64 collections. They came out with an Amiga collection specific to Team 17. And um, see, it's not even in this article because... It is uh, specific to one that already came out. But this just released, I think, like yesterday. Where am I at now? Oh, I'm all over the place. I'm not even on the right website now. My bad. Um, but I was all excited because Team 17 has some, some great, great, great stuff. They do. They absolutely do. And, uh, and so I was kind of looking forward to this one, but it's kind of become the thing now they'll put one or two games to really draw you in and then kind of put some other stuff in there uh but they do have 10 yeah yeah 10 games on this cartridge and uh so you've got a game i've never heard of called full contact it's a fighter Hmm. apparently it was an amiga fighter uh alien breed special edition you know solid solid alien breed game body blows which is another fighting game uh project x that's a good game Nice little shooter. Um, nice shooter, yeah. We'll talk a little yep. bit more about that shortly, Eric. <clears throat> Foreshadowing. Uh, Quack, which I've never heard of, but looks Me interesting. Either. Kind of a uh, looks like a puzzle platformer kind of a thing. Alien Breed Two: The Horror Continues. So another Alien Breed, if that's your thing. Alien yep. Breed Tower Assault. So a third Alien Breed. So if that yep. really should be your thing at this point, hopefully. Arcade Pool, which yep. is a pool simulation. That. Um, yep. was that the one we played? I thought it was. Wasn't no, that one of the pools? This is like a top-down one. I think we played a 3D simulated pool. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, it looks cool. I like. I kind of like top-down pool games. Gotcha. Uh, ATR All-Terrain Racing, which is a solid game. Yep. And then is. a game I've never played, but I probably would get really into, which is Kingpin Arcade Sports Series Bowling. That's a good... That's a good... I think that's a good mix. Pretty good. I'm, this is, I think this is out now, and I want to purchase it. So I will own this one. Okay. Um, let me make sure I didn't miss any other ones. So I think the rest of these are new. And Oh, and then, of course, they mentioned uh, Indie Heroes Collection 2 is now out. And they've already mentioned that in February 2024, they're going to release Indie Heroes Collection 3, which I'm super excited about. I love all the indie games. That's like why yeah, I too. own this system, to put indie games on a cartridge so I can buy it for $20. Um, that'd be that'd be sweet. All right, Eric, so here's the new releases. Six of them, right? And there's more to come. Arca- uh, number one is Pico Interactive Arcade 1. So this is the 10th arcade oh. collection. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll give my opinions shortly. Uh, and there's been some other Pico Interactive uh, games released, but they haven't been arcades. So Pico Interactive is a company, it's really one guy, uh, who basically is has bought up a whole bunch of un, kind of unclaimed licenses 
and just has bought ownership of all kinds of games uh, and releases them and basically, you know, I'm not, I don't say this in a negative way, but is basically trying to take ownership of those games and then, you know, uh, make money off of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so this particular game has nine arcade games. Uh, I guess it's specific to a Kore- Korean, uh, uh, a lot of them are specific to a Korean developer called Unico. Um, but now owned by Pico. So a game called Burglar X, Dragon Master, Diver Boy, Fancy World, The Legend of Silk Road, Magic Purple, Master's Fury, Steel Force, and Ultimate Tennis. How many how many of those games do you know, Eric? 0.0. <laughs> so uh you can watch I that in real time. I've yeah. not personally been impressed with the Pico games. They're typically again unknown and they're usually unknown for a reason. Um I don't know. What's your feeling on this particular one? Yeah, I mean, I would pass on it if I don't know any of these. But with that said, as is when Six Good Games comes up, I picked games I had never played before, and they were both solid, and I had never heard of them before. So I'll hold out hope. I mean, if if any of these games pop up and I watch some videos and they look really interesting, who knows? I might grab it. Gotcha, gotcha. And and I I I won't now. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and I personally I love games that I've never played, but I just had um, I've never played a whole lot of Pico games that I've enjoyed. But for me, the other thing is, um, and I've talked about this before, not a huge fan of the arcade cartridges because you can just coin feed them and beat the game. And I really want to like okay. dig into a game and have to have to beat it, have a challenge to have to beat. I don't uh, self regulate my coinage. Here's one I'm really excited about, Eric, from yeah, Collector Vision Games. Cool. Sydney Hunter Collection. So you, you and I have actually you played my my Sydney. I had one Sydney Hunter game, the one for the Super Nintendo. Yep. So, so Sydney Hunter is a a series of indie games that have been made for the original hardware, but in the last ten years. Uh, so what you're going to get here is Sydney Hunter and the Caverns of Death, which is the Super Nintendo one, if I remember correctly. That's the one I have. Sydney Hunter and the Sacred Tribe, which I believe is a Intellivision game. Uh, Sydney Hunter and the Shrines of Peril, which I believe is, is that NES? 8-bit? Let me, let me press play on this to make sure I'm not mistaking any of this here. Um, and then, here we go. Do-do-do. Showing the, that thing, that thing. So there's the Cavendish of this. There's the Super Nintendo one you've played with me. This is, uh, I'll talk about that one in a second. Um, here's the Intellivision one, Shrines of Peril. Oh, cool. Right? That one looks neat, too. Yeah. And I'm trying to find the other one now. Oh, there it is. That's the other one, which is the Sacred Tribe, which, I again, I think that one is... Maybe it's Sega Master System? I think it's Sega Master System. Master System. I saw System. the case for it. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And then there's one that came out that has nothing to do with Sydney Hunter, but to me, this is the one I'm most excited about. It's called Jester. And it looks like a kind of a maze... Uh, Pac-Man meets Bomberman kind of a looking NES game. Yeah. Which looks super cool to me. So four indie games, essentially, that were released in real hardware. And now you can buy in one nice little collection. That's awesome. That, that one looks like one I might buy. This next one is one that I'm the, probably the least excited about, but I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be really into it. And it is the fourth uh, computer-based collection. So the light blue box uh, it's more Amiga games. 
specifically from the um, the f- French studio Delphine. And if you've never heard of Delphine, um, you're, you're familiar with these games. You just didn't know they were from Delphine. So you're going to get right. the game Another World. You're going to get Flashback. You're going to get uh, and two other games I've never heard of, Future Wars and Operation Stealth, which are like point-and-click adventures. How are you feeling about that one? Four games. I, I, I'm i not a fan of Another World or Flashback. I just don't like that style of game. Same. Um, <laughs> Yeah, not saying it's going to be a bad collection. It looks like it's probably pretty cool for people who like those games. I wasn't a fan of those games. So, And then the other thing, the other ones actually look like solid little games, the, the, the two RPGs, or not RPGs, okay. but point and clicks. But I can't yeah. imagine how that's going to work with the controller. Right. So anyways, that's the next collection. Cool that they have it. Now, when I heard about this one, I got super, super excited because I love Sunsoft. Uh, it's a Sunsoft collection. Um, and it's got some great games on it. Now, this does fall into the category for me of, you know, they're all games I already own a million ways. So I would buy, be buying this just to support Evercade and have the collection more or less on my shelf, maybe play some of it. Um, they are mostly NES games. But Sunsoft had some really great games. Uh, some of them are in here. Uh, games that have already kind of beat, so I don't know how much use again I'd get out of this. But we're going to start with Mr. Gimmick. Yeah, which is a, we played this. It's a great game, very difficult. Yeah, I think you and Tim got pretty frustrated with it, if I remember correctly. Yes. But but it's a good game. It's got strong like Kirby vibes. Yeah, uh, Arrow the Acrobat. This is actually a 16-bit game, probably Genesis. Uh, this game I'm not familiar with, Arabian, which looks like an arcade game, honestly. Um, then you've got Blaster Master Boy, which is the Game Boy version of Blaster Master. It's a different game altogether because they made one specific to Game Boy. But also right. Blaster Master on the NES, which to this day I still have not given a fair share. I've played a few minutes of only. But you're a big fan of this game, I thought, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah, um, I've played this and and have enjoyed it. And there have been later iterations of Blaster Master, which have been really good too. So yeah, it's a good series. And then you're going to get Journey to Silius. We've talked about that a few times on the show. The game was originally going to be a Terminator game, but they lost the license, so it just became they changed the lead character. And now it's just called Journey to Silius. Great soundtrack, fun little uh, Mega Man style, a Contra style running gun game. So six games, Sunshot, Sunsoft. That looks like a decent collection. Yep. And then this was their, their biggest announcement, um, which I get, and I'll probably end up with both of these just because I love the series so much. Two different cartridges, Eric, of Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem Collections huh. 1 and 2. Okay. Um, so you're going to get, and, and of course, they went all out on this too. They had a, a big old announcement, the big old... <laughs> They redrew Duke Nukem. They uh, have this whole advertisement with this actor, like making himself into Duke Nukem. Um, they went all out on this one. They know this is their big money maker, I think. So, um, so the first title comes with Duke Nukem 3D, which is of course the most famous Duke Nukem game, and it comes with the first two PC, uh, not PC, but DOS uh, Duke Nukem games, the side-scrolling ones. Okay. Oh they, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've been remastered, so there's some, been some changes to the gameplay and some changes to the, the graphics that keeps the original style, but kind of 
improves them. They add widescreen support and things like that, smooth out the scrolling, things that make it more uh, tasteful to modern audiences. And then they have the other game, uh, which is kind of all the oddball Duke Nukem stuff on one cartridge. You're going to get uh, the ones that actually hit like the 3D polygon era, Duke Nukem Land of the Babes. You're going to get uh, Duke Nukem Advance on the Game Boy Advance, which is, again, its own unique game. And Duke Nukem Time to Kill, another 3D. I think that was like a PlayStation Duke Nukem. So, hmm. whole bunch of Duke Nukem for you, Eric. That's cool. I never really got really into Duke Nukem. I played him here and there just a little bit. Never really got into him. So, that would be interesting. It'd be fun, fun platform to play him on. Uh, I mean, I've only played Duke Nukem 3D and the first two realistically so that whole second uh, cartridge would be all new to me which would be cool but wait eric there's more because <laughs> you can buy both the new duke nukem games with a whole new evercade versus you and i already own the evercade versus this is the consoleized version of the evercade that comes with two controllers and two cartridge inputs so you can put in both games into one into each cartridge by the way, when you do that, you typically uh, there's combinations that unlock games that you can't get otherwise, which is really co- kind of a fun, cool thing. Yeah. So I bet if you put both both Duke Nukem's in, there's something else. Sure. There's got to be. But you can buy the new so. the new um, collection here, Eric, in the Evercade versus Atomic Edition, which gives you this bright um, yellow and gray kind of atomic looking. It's not, it doesn't say Duke Nukem on it. It's just kind of generic but cool-looking yellow and gray um, Evercade with a big old bright yellow strip that lights up. How cool is that thing? It actually does look really cool. It's almost like well, Hamas has a construction theme to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like gray and yellow and, and it, like, a, like a warning, almost like a construction slash warning kind of thing. Looks really cool. Yeah. And so obviously, I mean, this company is the whole, their their main thing is taking games we already know and love for the most part and some unknown games, putting them on cartridges, making them pretty to look good on the shelf and selling them to you. Right. It's kind of, it is catering to a collector market. The reason, the reason I enjoy it is not for collectors is because I want cartridges of games I don't own yet primarily, but this thing looks so good (laughs) and includes two games that I'm going to get anyways that I almost almost wanted to i almost clicked the pre-order button uh there's only <laughs> right there's only two thousand of these units available so they're going with the whole fomo thing as pointed out by some some of our discord members but guess what that works and makes you money right um right and if you like this one you could always sell your old one. Ooh, i never thought about yes. that eric i never thought about that <laughs> kind of want it now but no it's 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 very cool so they got some exciting stuff coming up also, there's going to be some new um, firmware for the Evercade coming up. They're actually going to allow you to do individual in-game button mapping, which they have okay. not done yet. They've changed. They've been able to do button mapping, but it's kind of system-wide. Now you can go game by game, which is ideal. Because Yeah, that makes sense. Well, now, it's, it's yeah. great that they're listening to their customers and making these changes. Yep. And then in July 2023, they're going to have a second Evercade showcase and this is the the news I'm more than anything else excited about. Two more carts are going to be coming that they're going to announce, and they're going to call this specific showcase, this Volume 2, the Indie Games Showcase. So these new cartridges are going to be indie titles, new indie games that 
that are not yet uh, released on cartridge anywhere in any form. I believe. Nice. Yep. As you know, my favorite cartridges are the uh, the uh, Tanglewood and um, I'm forgetting the name of my the game I love by Bitmap Brothers <clears throat> or Bitmap Soft. Um, the Alien one. What's it called? Smash TV lip with aliens. I can't think of what it's called right now. Oh, Xeno Crisis. Xeno Crisis. Yeah. And then, of course, the one I'm still trying to beat, by the way. This is kind of a catching up, but I'm, I'm almost there. Cathedral and Always Awakening, which are two of my favorite games of the last three years. So, yeah, I told you I got that cartridge, but I haven't had time to play it. <clears throat> oh, you got to play it. You got to play it. <clears throat> Anyways, that's a lot of Evercade updates. So sorry, I've been doing a lot of talking here, Eric. So what, what else? <laughs> is, what do we have non-Evercade related? So there is a new issue of PicoView for May, which is an excellent um, Pico 8 uh, zine, I guess. Online zine. Would you call it a zine? Yeah, uh, like magazine, that. like a magazine, like a digital zine. <laughs> um, this one covers um, a lot of stuff about uh, Pico 8 development, about one, one article. I haven't read through this whole one yet, but one of the cool things in here was a step-by-step beginner's guide to making music in Pico 8 for your game, but it gives you like um, chord progressions. Like if you're not a musician, like what do I do? It's showing you basic music theory so that you can plug it into the little music editor that's in Pico 8 and make music that is actually palatable, you know, so that when you make <laughs> a game, it's it's not just garbage. Um, so they teach you some basic music theory, which I think is really cool. Um I haven't messed around with the music editor in Pico 8, but I would love to. I mean, it's it's kind of a almost like a tracker slash sequencer. Um, it would be a lot of fun to kind of make a little tune in there, but, you know. For sure. But so they talk about music creation, talk about development. They're, they do talk, they interview. Um, one of the games we talked about recently, um, that Saucer, Neon Saucer, I think they talked to the developer of that. I, I We talked about that last month. Um in uh, the news section, uh, they interview him and uh, talk about the creation of that game. A lot of really great Pico 8 information. I, I, this zine is just getting better and better. So check it out. The link will be in the show notes. At the, it's at nerdyteachers.com. Um, it's Pico 8 View or yeah. Pico View is the name of the zine. I, I bookmarked this from our last episode and it looks awesome. Uh, and there's so much content in here that I... I'm going to have to find time to sit down and read through it and click on things and play things. But it is awesome. Yeah. Good find. Good find. Um, how about you take this one, one from, from our buddy Tim? Yeah. You Are you going to do it or me? I want you to take this one. I did a lot of talking already. <laughs> okay. And you got the next one. Um, so this one is um, from Tim, and I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm going to say Fode. Does that sound right? <laughs> yep. I'm going to go because the Rode microphone looks just like that with a R instead of a P, right? P-H-O with a line through it, D-E. Yep. So I'm going to say Fode Universal Optical Drive Emulator. This is an up-and-coming one-size-fits-all ODE. ODE stands for Optical Drive Emulator. Um, This will work on Philips CDI, Sega Dreamcast, Sega Saturn, PlayStation, and Sega CD1, CD2, XI, and CDX consoles. It's a lot of consoles. Um, that's a lot covering it. And I, I do love my ODEs. Like we, I have one in my Dreamcast. It is amazing. I have one in my Sega Saturn. It is equally amazing. 
Um, imagine putting a whole library on an SD card and popping it in your disc based system and you're off to the races. So I love them. They're usually very expensive. Um, and this one, uh, is no exception in that area. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this one's like back at 250 bucks. So that would be quite an outlay of cash. If it works seamlessly and works really well, I don't have a problem with that amount. Um, but I'd have to think of what systems I have left. Like the CDI, my CDI doesn't have an ODE in it, obviously. And my PlayStation yeah, doesn't I didn't either. know you had a CDI. Do, do I not have a CDI? I thought I got one. Oh, I... What am I thinking? <laughs> oh, I got the 3DO. 3DO. I got a 3DO. I was going to say, Eric's got so much stuff, he doesn't even know what he has anymore. No, I'm sorry, because I have a Philips 3DO. Okay, yeah. never See, mind. I'd, um, I'd be interested in a, in a CDI. The problem with the CDI is, first of all, the actual um, games themselves are fairly yeah. abundant and cheap, but the system, getting a working system is the hard part. <laughs> gotcha. But yeah, yep. 3DO would be... Yeah. My issue with these is just, like you said, it's for for 250 if this is if if this was something that I could just like quickly unplug into one system plug into the next one and keep going that'd be a great investment but to for, to I'd have to buy like seven of these to retrofit all the other systems to do this and that's a fortune <laughs> yeah the only the only one that really interests me here because I got a cheaper ODE for my Dreamcast and Saturn so that's covered um as we just discussed I do not have a CDI <laughs> but <laughs> The PlayStation, I'm still using burned discs on that because I do have a modded PlayStation PS1. Yep. Um, and that works fine. So I'm not I'm not chomping at the bit for that. And my mister plays PlayStation now perfectly. So any PS1 game I want, I can just drop the ISO onto my mister. And I have a hard drive built into my mister. So I kind of have it covered. But if I wanted to change my real PlayStation, that would be a kind of fun upgrade. Yeah, it would be cool to have. Don't get me wrong. It's just the cost yeah. at this point is prohibitive, in my opinion, because there's so much other cool stuff I could buy for 250 But very cool that it exists. Right. You do yep. you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is one that I was excited about to hear because it's one of my, definitely my top five uh, Commodore 64 games of all time, released only a few yes. years ago. Fix It, Felix Jr., based off of the movie Wreck-It Ralph, um, on the Commodore 64, has been updated to version 1.1, Eric. I guess I gotta I, eat, eat I, my I words ha- again because I care about the version. <laughs> exactly. I have it up on my board here, and I saw that you, you beat me to it putting this in the show notes, but I, I haven't downloaded this yet but I want to because I agree with you. It is one of the best games on the Commodore 64. It's a modern title, but it is one of the best games on there. I love it. So I got to get this update. And it, it seems to fix a lot. Yeah, they all, all kinds of stuff here. I don't need to go through them all, but I mean, it, it's going to take a, an already great game and make it that much better. Uh, the big ones are going to be, it adds a high score save feature. So when you shut down the game and turn it back on, your saves stay there. That's important to me, especially on a game that yes. is purely a high score game. Um, and there's some other, you know, they call them digis, but other game over and, uh, when you clear building different effects and things. Um, I, I, I think the added support for easy flash is awesome because, um, you could actually, uh, the Kung Fu flash, uh, supports easy flash, meaning you can flash that pop the cartridge in and you have a fix it Felix cartridge that you plug in and it just plays fix it Felix. So, I mean, that would be 
pretty awesome. Um, and, and you know where you can get the Kung Flu Flash? Retro Rewind.ca. You got it. PG10 will get you 10% off. Anyway. Word. <laughs> so the Easy Flash thing, I, I appreciate it that it's there and I get why that's cool. But I use, I don't want to have to keep flashing over things I already flashed and want to save. And I want them to stay on the cart. Like, <laughs> that's my issue. So uh, the one thing, I, the only reason I haven't tried this 1.1 yet is when I downloaded this file, unless they changed it, it's only a cart image. And hmm. my other one is, is a, you know, D64 image. So okay. I would, I would like to request, Hey, can I get this update, but in a D64? Cause that's how my Commodore is sitting on my shelf ready to go. And I can just load that game up rather than having to flash over some other games that I've already saved on my easy flash that I want to be able to access. I'm still in the middle of playing. Anyways. Oh, I'll have to check that that's out. My I don't, I don't, yeah. I wonder why they didn't release <clears> that. <throat> Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I am. In fact, I could download it now. And of course, when you download it now, you can download it for completely free, but you can also choose to give a donation to the developer. And for this game, it is absolutely worth it. So I would suggest you do that. Both PAL and NTSC are supported. So that is awesome. Um, you know, I'm just going to do it right now and download it all over again so that I can confirm that what I said is still true. Uh, here's yeah, it, seems, it said Jr. in the description that it includes a PRG file. Well, that's the same description from the previous game. So if you look right here, okay. fix it, Felix CRT. Huh. That's it. Just a CRT. So yeah, I can't see that image on your screen. Interesting. Okay. Yep. That being said, we have other exciting news. So let's move on to that, including what is an Auric, Eric? So an Auric is one uh, a machine that neither you nor I own. Um, the Auric is a machine that I have played many games on because it is on my mister. So it is supported very well on my mister. Um, and I've played a few games on it. I think the machine, the real machines look really cool. They have orange and black keys. Um, so it's not a game I, uh, or not a system I'm super familiar with, but I found this really interesting that this is a game that is a new roguelike game called Wizard's Lair. And I just think that the graphics in this game look awesome. Um, it looks like you have a little character. You're running around in a maze. And I'm just going to read. This was on Ram OK, Ram OK's website again. Um, and I'm just going to read directly from his site here. Wizard's Lair is a gorgeous uh, new roguelike game for the Auric. Uh, the game features 33 floors and 65,535 types of dungeons, giving a possible of... 2 million, 2 plus, 2 million plus floors. Uh, so anyway, it says uh, you're basically are just running around looking for treasures. Um, basically follows a roguelike um, template there. But I think the graphics look really, really cool in this game. Um, so I'm going to load this up and try it on my mister and see see what it's all about. I think you'd like the Auric. It's a, it looks like a very... Um, Almost like a MSX slash ZX Spectrum style machine from back in the day. It's MSXy. Exactly. <laughs> I do. Sorry, that's Orcs, that. I, I, that might be the next uh, computer that I try to get my hands on. Maybe, uh, maybe in Germany when I'm over there, they'll have orcs laying around. I have no idea. They might actually. They might. I, and it's an easy one to use. I mean, I've loaded up several games on my Mister, and it's not like it's difficult. It's it follows the same kind of patterns and stuff that the old machines did so to be fair Eric, like all, it. all the old machines are difficult for me 
<laughs> I just have the hardest time. The thing is, I can't just accept running the games I already know how to run. I have to keep finding the newest game, the one with all the new features and the hardest to run. And I'm like, if I can't run it, then my life isn't worth living. <laughs> just, it's my own darn fault. Um, before we get to this next item, Eric. Yeah? I need to help you get to your next beer. That would be nice. I appreciate that. So as mentioned, my next beer, I already opened, but I just finished my non-alcoholic Old Milwaukee, which was, you know, a, a tasty little lager through and through. I, I will continue to buy this. Mm-hmm. And I'm supporting America because it's made in Milwaukee. And now I'm drinking myself a Coors Light out of a tall, cold as the Rockies aluminum 16-ounce can. And, uh, you know, I, I'll give a rating for the first one. For what it is, I like it. Uh, we we didn't we didn't do our rating system, Eric. Oh my goodness, who are we? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> you know what? It's uh, we'll just we'll just say it's um, episode one hundred eight. So out of one hundred one hundred eight episodes of Pixel Guide, in I'm giving that yep. old Milwaukee. Uh, you know, as a beer, purely as uh, I'm drinking this as a beer, how does it taste? It's actually not bad. So I um, I'll give it a seventy one out of one hundred eight. That's not bad for for a domestic kind of uh, yeah. near beer. <laughs> Bet, better than domestic near beer. It's it's got some exactly. flavor to it. We've well, had real, I hate to say, quote unquote, we've had real beers that have fared worse than that. So how was your first uh, your your ro- street road? What was it Road Street? <laughs> yeah, great summer beer. Um, a Gold little street. lacking in flavor. So I'm going to give it probably. I'm going to probably give it. 75 out of 108. Okay. 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 Yeah. Not bad. A good summer beer. Very refreshing. Well, what are you sipping on while I drink my Coors Light? All right. I'm going to open this, but I forgot a bottle opener, so I blew it. Um, but this is a, a Smith, Smith Wicks, which we've had before a few times on the show. But this is one I haven't had before. This is their Red Ale. So Smithix, Red Ale. A ruby red brew with a gentle hot bitterness and a sweet malt finish. Sounds great. Sounds good. How about you go grab yourself a, an opener while I talk about this next news item real quick? Awesome. And then we'll, Let's and we'll do that. I'll be right we'll back. crack it open here. So um, this is the one I know Eric would be excited to hear about, and he'll get right back here to talk to me about it. But if you're a fan of the Metal Slug arcade game series on the Neo Geo, of course, there was a ton of those. There's Metal Slug, Metal Slug 2, Metal Slug 3, 4, 5, Six, I think even a seventh came out. And then there's, of course, Metal Slug X, which is like an updated version of Metal Slug 2. Nonetheless, uh, great action run-and-gun games with amazing graphics and a lot of fans out there, including this fan, who decided to make a uh, an homage, a new game, an homage to Metal Slug. And, man, this uh, I, I downloaded the demo and played it. It plays very 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 much like a metal slug game it's got the color palette the graphics the action the everything about it screams this is a metal slug game uh it is called aqua epon um it's a love letter to mega slug metal slug by division and uh it looks like a japanese um uh i guess developer is the word i would use who's making this game but the twist here is instead of it being kind of the, the metal slug theme, it still definitely fits in that kind of universe, but you are these two divers, uh, female divers, and uh, your weapon is like a, 
an underwater automatic harpoon kind of a thing and you throw these oxygen bottles instead of grenades uh so there's a kind of a slight uh a slight difference as far as the gameplay to a to an official metal slug game but other than that this thing is dead on metal slug and if you're a fan of the series you're going to love it the other big difference is they throw in some cutscenes that are very anime looking but really really well done kind of show this artifact i think you're trying to find but uh eric have you seen the the video footage for aqua epon yet i have not but if this is it that we're looking at this looks amazing (laughs) and i'm a big big metal slug fan so so what i will tell you eric is there is and everybody else who's listening uh go ahead and look at our um our links our, our show notes go to this page Click on the source, download the demo. You can play a demo right on your computers. It's going to be, a, you know, it's a PC game. Uh, you're going to be able to buy it off itch.io. You can download the demo. I think it's the first level only. I played through it. It is fun, and it plays the difficulty and everything about it is just like Metal Slug. So, if you love it, this is more Metal Slug. Absolutely, give it a shot. And it's kind of funny because they're a little tongue in cheek because they're these divers. They're not shooting full on weapons or shooting these little harpoons. So even in the anime video, you see them get picked up by this huge uh, bad guy, and you see her uh, shoot the bad guy in the neck with her harpoon, and it just kind of sticks out of his neck. It's all gro- <laughs> grotesque. And he drop here. I'll show you right here, Eric. You can see him just drop the girls, <laughs> <laughs> and they go running off. But. uh yeah, you got to check this out. Super cool, and you can credit it up just like an arcade game. So check that, that looks game really out. awesome. Download the demo, Eric. And, and what was this on? It's a PC game. So itch. PC game. Okay, so I can. I'm sure Steam eventually. I, I could put slap this on my Steam Deck and be happy. For sure. So let me tell you something stupid I did. Okay. So I went down. So I was like, okay, I forgot my bottle or bottle opener. So I went downstairs. And I, uh, where my bottle opener is, it's a magnet that sticks on the fridge. It's not there. And I'm like, what, what did I do with this thing? (laughs) I know know where this is going. (laughs) So I come back up here and there's a side pocket in my little bag cooler that I bring up into the room to put my beers in. I, I, it was already up here. It was right next to you the whole time. It was right next to me the whole time. So anyway, I'm, I'm I'm embarrassed by that, but. But anyway, yeah, th- this beer I poured it. Look at that, how ruby red that is. Ooh, ruby red. Well, let's see how much how it tastes right after we cheers, my friend. Cheers, my friend. Mm. All right, what are you getting? Uh, I taste the malt. Um, it's malty, which I love. I love malty beers. Um, it it's a little lacking in flavor a little another bit. one not, shoot not much maybe though. you just not got bad. the vid tonight eric <laughs> <laughs> i hope not don't say that maybe you don't can't taste you. anything now i don't want the covid i don't want the covid the lack of covid flavor all right so out of 108 episodes the pixel got in yeah how does it compare oh, man that's a good flavor that's a good flavor though i mean like i said i just wish there was more of it but um i'm gonna give it an 80 80 out of 108 80 out of 108 all right highest highest ranking of the night and by the way i'm gonna rate my coors light 55 because it's coors light (laughs) yeah i I enjoy it i will drink it all day long but i'm not gonna say it's like an amazing but it's just it is what it is you know it's yep it's coors light the road that's not bad i've got another one here i'll cover real quick this is uh 
another fan game that came out, and I have not loaded it up to try it just yet. But Eric, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Mega Man, and yes. uh, and I've never played. I've never even played the game this is based off of. But Mega Man: The Wily Wars was a game that was released on officially on a Sega console. I think it's the only one that's ever been released on a Sega console. Um, on the Sega Genesis, and it was basically a 16-bit updated version of kind of a mashup between Mega Man 1, 2, and 3 from the Nintendo, but on the Genesis. I've never played it. I've heard it's great. I don't, I don't know why I haven't played it, because I love Mega Man. But some fans have basically taken that concept and released a sequel to The Wily Wars called Mega Man The Sequel Wars, in which they take the next three games on the NES, Mega Man 4, 5, and 6, and mash those up into a 16-bit Genesis game. So... You can obviously download this for completely free because it is, you know, uh, a licensed entity. Therefore, they cannot charge it for it. So uh, go ahead and check that out. You'll see a faithful recreation of the original games with extensive research done to make everything accounted for. Smooth controls, refined 16-bit graphics. New characters to play, such as Proto Man, who can deflect bullets with the shield. So there you go. Yeah, I, I imagine you're going to... I mean, you're big into Mega Man. You're, or you're probably going to give this one a go, right? I already put it on my Genesis. I just haven't, pl- haven't played it yet. Oh, cool. I, I'm eager to hear it because, again, I'm a Mega Man kind of weenie. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mega weenie? At yeah, so I, I want to get better at them, so I'm going to give it give it a try. Um, get good, bro. I'm going to go through the NES... Um, one of these days, I'm going to go through the Nintendo one, the original Nintendo ones, and Try to beat a Mega Man and see if just see if I can do it. I think you should come over and we should beat Mega Man three together. And by we, I mean you play it and I tell you what to do. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> you probably get frustrated. Like I told you to hit the button. <laughs> Which one? There's two. There's two buttons on here. Um, he got one from Tim. I'd love for you to read for us, uh, Eric. Yep. Tim says movie video game tie in hype continues. Could we be getting a Wipeout movie from the same director as the Gran Turismo movie? I don't know. Will we, Eric? And this is on the Time Extension um, news site. Um, I, I haven't read through this, so I don't know what it's about. Um, All I can say, is, and I haven't read through yeah. it either here, um, there's a trailer apparently. So do we? See, is there a trailer? I don't see a trailer. Um, oh, I guess you, you go here. Or is this talking about, um, yeah, it's talking about Gran, Gran Turismo. That makes sense. That's the Gran Turismo one. So and that does look must, legit. That one looks really interesting. I, I did listen to a whole podcast about, um, about that Gran Turismo movie and what it's kind of about. And it, I think it comes at it from a very interesting angle, which I think is going to kind of, um, bulletproof it from a lot of the critics because it's, it's not about, you're not a, well, I guess in a, in the end, you're a race car driver in real life, but the game really, the movie is about the game, about how people start racing within the games and competing in the game itself. So, so you get a real ride as a real race car driver in real life. Exactly. Yep. So, but I don't understand the Wipeout. Um, so yeah, basically the Wipeout, I just took a quick look. I guess it was just a few, um, uh, looks like facebook tweet or twitter tweets or whatever that people are lead, being led to believe that the director might be looking at doing this as a project wipe, yeah. wipe out being a kind of futuristic racing playstation series um it never held any interest to me i couldn't get behind wipe out we reviewed one of the games 
Um, yeah. I want to like it. It seems like it should be up my alley, but it just was kind of vo- void of personality. That being said, you know what else is about super fast, re- unrealistic racing with no physics and void of, of personality, Eric? <laughs> what the, is that? The entire Fast and Furious series. True. Which they're on number 10 and it's a money-making behemoth. So who knows? Oh, Maybe this will work. I think at this point, billions of dollars. I mean, I think it... it grossed over a billion now with the latest one so that's why vin diesel uh, vin diesel doesn't need to look for any other work it's not that he, no, he doesn't it's not that nobody else wants him he just doesn't need to look i i consider it a source of pride that i've never seen a single fast and furious movie not seen a single one and i i think i i think i'm gonna keep that streak alive <laughs> <laughs> and then this one was all you speaking Let of eating up the oh, competition yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, spitting them out Check this out. So wow. a Lego Pac-Man arcade game. <laughs> um, now, in this true Lego faction, and I'm going to try to be appropriate here. There is no such word as Legos. It is Lego. Lego. Yeah, yeah. In the in the grand Lego tradition on electronic, like mimicking electronic devices, because this isn't the first one they've done. It doesn't. It's not real. It doesn't work. It doesn't play Pac-Man. But what makes this one interesting is there's a bunch of parts to it that move. There's like a little hand crank on the side, and, and there's a joystick that works. There's the buttons work. Um, and what I mean is they actuate. They don't do anything. Yeah. But there's a little hand crank that makes all this sort of stuff on the on – the, first of all, I should explain what it is. The Pac-Man Bar Top Arcade. It looks like a bar top arcade. Yeah, like, almost like know, one of the arcade one-up arcades yeah. that you can... Yeah, just the screen and the control panels, but it looks, yeah, like the top half of an arcade machine. Now, but the insides of this thing are like gears and, and, and mechanical components that when you move the hand crank on the side, Pac-Man goes through the maze eating, eating the pellets and chasing the ghosts. It, it, and it lights up. The coin slot lights up when you press a button. Wow. But when you move the hand crank, Pac-Man moves through the maze using the cranks and stuff. So And the score goes up. There's a little yeah. score the wheel that spins around. So, so while it isn't a working Pac-Man, it is something that I think is really cool. Um, and a, another Lego tradition is I'm sure this thing will cost an arm and a leg. So I won't be getting it anytime soon. But it is pretty neat. It's a neat little kind of mechanical device. Eric, do you not see the price written on the no. screen? No, I didn't. Two hundred and sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah, so that's uh, that's how much I would pay for a working bar top arcade. <laughs> Actually, I don't think you've even paid that because they're out there for like one seventy nine two hundred, and and you haven't done that yet either. So no, and I built I built mine for less than a hundred. Yep. So yeah, no. It speaking of companies who who you know feed feed and correctly rightly so off collectors you know this is three hundred dollars after tax for for one lego set um now you are looking at you know a long build here 2651 pieces it's for 18 and up if you're 17 you need not apply eric um it's too complicated for you. But there, it is very impressive how they design these things, how they, they, all these working mechanisms and lights and coin slots and the, even the, um, the bar on the top, I forget what you call that, the topper. Like in pinball, yeah. you can buy a topper. has Pac-Man and two ghosts, a red and a, and a orange one. I don't know if that's Inky, Binky, Pinky, or Clyde, but 
uh, and then you would spin the thing on the back and they turn over. Pac-Man turns around to face the ghost and they turn blue with their white eyes and their little zigzag mouth, you know, like they've just, he ate a power pellet and he's able to eat them now. So very cool, very fan servicey. And even when you open the back, there's like a little person in there acting like they're working on the machine. Like attention yeah. to detail is really cool. Don't get me wrong. Very, very cool it, product. It's amazing. I mean, it is amazing, but, um, it's amazing for maybe $70. <laughs> Yep. I mean, man, for 20 bucks less than this, Eric, you can get an ODE for your Saturn or your CDI. <laughs> there there you go. Play Pac-Man on that. There you go. Um, this is one that's not even really a news item. However, this is actually more of a call to action, Eric. A call to action. Yep. If you're going to okay, make any I'm notes ready. today, I need you to make this note because this is a game that I've talked about for a while. I am going to put it in a battle of the systems that we're going to be doing very shortly because I've been wanting to play this game. Yeah. And when I found out this link existed, I'm like, no, we have to do this now. This is happening. So okay. I've told you about the game Marathon on yes. the Macintosh, which was the first like shooter I ever owned. And, and it was a precursor to Halo, right? It, eventually, Marathon became, yeah, morphed into Halo, which you know was made by the same by by Bungie, 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 whoever you want to call them. Yeah. And I have so many memories of this game, but they're fuzzy because I've never had a way to play it. I've never like sought it out. So in our show notes now, there's a link. The Marathon Trilogy has been released to the public. And so again, this probably happened a while back, but it's been released to the public. And you can go download the original game, although it's already packaged up in an EXE file, so you can open it on your PC. But it is the original Macintosh game that now, you know, I guess is emulated on your PC perfectly. Marathon 2 and Marathon Infinity, the third one. All these, I think, were released within a year or two of each other, so they're all very similar. But I got as far today as loading up Marathon just so I can see it. And as soon as I saw, like, the GUI and heard the sound and the, the music, it just... My mind was washed away by memory. Um, <laughs> so we're going to have to do a battle of systems where we play a marathon versus some other non-Doom shooter of the time, you know, because these were clearly aimed at, hi, we're, we're going to be the next Doom. This is We're better than Doom. That would be fun. So not saying it is. I'm just saying that's what the goal was of the yeah and i i we don't we don't play a lot of first person shooters because they're not super retro you know what i mean i mean some of them are obviously like wolfenstein and, and marathon but, yeah we, <laughs> i'm looking forward to it because i i never played this on the max i heard about it and i've read about i've read a lot of the history of it um but i've never played any of these at all yep. and it's mac exclusive so there's no reason you would have ever played this game anywhere else except for on a, an old school mac so cool. oh, that'll be fun. So I just wrote down, it down, Cody. It's in my notes, yes. my personal notes, yes. marathon download. Yep. And my, my note in the show notes with free was free marathons for all. So I was trying to tip myself off without te- teaching you what I'm talking about yet. Okay, here we go. This is one from Tim. It's a good one. Uh Oh, warning. Sore subject is what <laughs> Tim starts out. So this isn't from me. This is from Tim. So Timmy boy says, in television Amico exclusives, Shark Shark and Astro Smash are coming to the Switch. Woo! And this is from timeextension.com. Um, and I did read about this because um, I got, uh, I don't know if you got this in your email, Cody, but I as did, a, yes. yeah, the CEO came out with this thing basically saying, hey, 
we drop the ball. Um, you know, we're, we need to find a way to move forward. And to me, I mean, in there, he said they were still trying to make the goal of releasing hardware, but it also kind of hedged their bets that they were just going to start just making software for other systems. Yeah, they said we're going to we want to make all these software and all these relationships we started available to people. And yes. and so we need to start doing that with other systems, which I don't know how they're doing it yet, maybe you know more into it, uh Eric, but not that long ago you and I talked about this and that was kind of what we came to. We said they need to just take these games and keep this and maybe put it into like a little Intellivision Amico software package that you can download onto a Switch or a PlayStation 5. This kind of, you know, so you open that app or that game, and then within that universe, now you're in the Miko land, right? And everything within this app, such as games as, you know, Shark Shark and all these other games they've been working on, are all based around family co-op. That would be great. Let's do that. Yep. yep. And, and as far as we know, they have all the software done already. So, I mean, they really just need to get these out on something that you can play. Now... It will be interesting because these games were written with those those new Intellivision controllers in mind. So they're going to have to morph those. They're probably going to have to reprogram the games to work with controllers from different systems like the Switch, right? Um, which I don't think is going to be a big deal. But yeah, these were written specifically for the Amico and the and the custom controllers. So. We'll see. We'll see. I'm excited, though, because yeah. I, I do want to play those games, and I, this is the way to do it. So, Yep. So, anyway, he says a sore subject, but um, I don't know if he's just salty about it coming out on something else and not on official hardware. I don't know. Well, I think you, only you and I had the pre-orders, but we got our money back. We did get our money back. Yep. So, so we're out of that. I'm, so, I'm bummed because I wanted it to come to fruition, but ultimately, no harm, no foul. I got my money back personally, and yep. uh, I still want to play the game. So, cool. Uh, this is a fun one. Uh, apparently, it is a game that many people have been wanting to be able to play for a long, long time. I personally have not heard of it, but um, from a company called Mitchell Corp, there's a game called Gamshara. Gamshara, okay. And it's been 20 years, and people, I guess, have been wanting to play this on their MAME setups, their multiple arcade machine emulator, MAME, um, for a long, long time, but the the game is never played or they didn't have the roms i don't know the the full uh scoop here but uh now that game is available um in the newest build of mame you can play it and it's created by mitchell corp which you might not be familiar with but you are probably familiar with a game called Peng. they created Peng. um oh, interesting that's a great game i like it yeah and they also re- released a couple games uh for the arcades such as nom 1975 which we've covered recently um, oh, I take it back. Nope, I, I take that all back. That's not true. <laughs> yeah, I read that wrong. Uh, I was just looking at it, going, nah. a game called Puzzle Loop. But the gameplay of of Gamshara is similar to Nom 1975. There we go. Yeah, so, and we covered Nom 19. Remember when we covered Nom 1975? It's kind of like, yep. uh, yeah. So this is a game similar to that in which you are a character in the foreground, shooting into the background. Uh, moving your character left and right, jumping and rolling to avoid things while your reticle in front of you is shooting at things kind of like a, uh, you know, a shooting gallery type of game. But it definitely looks like, like feudal Japan kind of settings with these cool Japanese buildings and uh, kind of a steampunky, like there's a dirigible over here and um, samurai and stuff coming down the hill and boats going across over here. So very cool. In fact, let me play the video here so I don't completely... Uh, 
There we go. Gamshara. Ooh, and you can collect bars of, of gold, which is always a plus. I like gold. Let's see some more gameplay action. Area 2 3. Let's see what this one looks like. Ooh, in the snow. Yeah, look at all these samurais throwing yeah. grenades. It looks like a nice little, uh, on, like, it's not on rails, but it's like a little fixed shooter. like Gallery a, shooter. Gallery shooter, exactly. And it's kind of cool because I, there's a lot of sprites on screen, a lot of enemies and a lot of bullets, but it's the bullets are slow enough that there's so much going on, but you can still dodge between them. And it feels very much different than NOM, even though it's the same type of gameplay. Yeah. Cool. And available on MAME, so that's really great. More games. See, I, I support preservation. I'm excited about this. <laughs> All right. So here's another one from, from uh, Tim. Analog Duo. Uh-oh. I lost my notes here. My bad. That's all right. I, I, I'll get them, I'm gonna get them over here. Um, Analog Duo PC Engine Turbo Graphics System goes on pre-order, but no inclusion of open FPGA, but is using Analog OS, so not open to devs. Not sure what all that means, but um, the what it means on the analog duo, the PC Engine Turbo Graphics system goes on pre-order. So, as you know, that the analog is a modular system, so you plug in different things to read the discs or read the cartridges or whatever. Not the not the um, duo though. I'm sorry. Not the analog duo. I thought it was. I, I think you're thinking of the Mega, uh, whatever it is, the Mega. Oh, okay. No, the the duo here is um, the one that I actually really wanted until I got my solution because this this was announced years and years ago. But basically, it's uh, yeah, the Turbo Graphics CD and uh, kind of all the stuff all shoved into one unit that looks very much like a Turbo Graphics unit. Uh, not turbo, right. not Turbo right. like a Turbo Duo. It looks like a Turbo Duo. I remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got it, it wrong done by analog which makes really high-end quality stuff and it was basically one machine to play all anything turbo graphics or or uh pc engine how whatever you want to call it so um but this yeah here you go it's turbo graphics 16 pc engine super graphics super graphics cd pc engine cd rom 2 super arcade cd rom 2 in 1080p with zero lag bluetooth all you could want no emulation it's fpga so hardware uh recreation i guess and it plays original um, Hue cards and CDs, plays all the things, and it comes with the cool 8-bit Doe Turbo Graphics controller. So sweet little bit of kit. I think it's sexy. I think it looks amazing. It does all the things I want it to do. Unfortunately, at this point, I already bought the alternative, <laughs> so I'm covered. Because I wanted this three years ago when they first announced it. So what was the alternative? The alternative is I, I went out and got a, and I got a great deal on, on eBay, but a PC engine with yeah. the, I'm going to forget what it's called right now, but the little adder on the back that is an FPGA that uh, mimics the, the CD functionality of the PC engine. Oh, that's What's right. It that's I have right. it back here. Yeah, it's like almost like an EverDrive, but it's, uh, it supports the ROM, the disk images. Super SD System 3. Nice. Okay, cool. Yep. But uh, now yeah. this does look really nice, and I apologize. I got it. I was conflating it with that other uh, that other modular system that you could pop in the different drives into it. So that what I don't even remember what it's called. But anyway, yep, 
I know, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of it right now either, but it looks like you can not only do wireless and USB, but they do have the original port for original controllers to be plugged in via yeah. wire as well. I mean, this thing is well thought out. Everything analog make has been amazing and solid. Um, and expensive. <laughs> and expensive. I don't think this was too bad, re- relatively. Um, yeah. Originally, I want to say it was 200 It's probably 240 now. It's been a while. So, 200 not wouldn't be bad for all that emulation. Big, for, I mean, to emulate all those different systems. Not emulation, Eric. <laughs> well, whatever. You know what I mean. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Here we go. Analog Duo Systems. Yep, exactly. Two forty nine ninety nine now, which makes sense because three years ago, the market was different, inflation and shipping shortage, all this stuff. So, and you can get it in black, which is the original U.S. color of the turbo of the Turbo Duo, or the white Japanese version. So, yeah. Big question, Eric. Which one would you go for? For two forty nine in this economy, <laughs> no, um, I'd go for black. I'm a yeah. Yeah, I think it looks better in black. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, and of course, analog already ha- still has the analog pocket out, which is now that they're, I think, oh no, they're still on pre-order again. So, but I've heard great things about that. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, use the eight-bit Do controllers, which are great. And I'm just looking at everything here, but they make really good stuff. If if it wasn't for pre-ordering things, the Mega SG, um, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for having to pre-order, if I can just buy it and have it show up, I'd probably buy some of this stuff. It's just nice. Yeah. well-built stuff right. even though i have ways to do it but uh, i remember it was polymega was the polymega that that's the one i conflated it with i j- it just came to me in my head but no i agree with you analog like i love the idea and they are some sweet looking equipment but yeah i mean if you and me were starting our collections from scratch right now and with the prices the way they are um I would definitely consider it because you know it's a known commodity. You know what you're getting. It's going to work. It's going to be brand new. It's going to last for 15 years or whatever, um, and you wouldn't have to pay. Because right now, if you go out and try to get two or three of those devices, yep, you're going to pay way more than that, I guarantee you. Yep, and you wouldn't even have any games yet. Uh, one more from you, Eric. Yep, so this one... So our I, subject... It is a sore subject for me. Um, so we, we've talked a lot about WrestleQuest, and I know I've talked a lot about it because I'm really looking forward to WrestleQuest. Um, as a game, it's going to be on Switch, PC. Um, I think it's going to be on Xbox, PlayStation 2 as well. Um, but it's going to be an RPG based on professional wrestling. We've talked about it on the show, so I'm not going to go into the gameplay itself. But it was supposed to be release like i think it was like a day or two after our last shows in in may and i was all excited and then literally the next day after our recording they released the news that it was going to be released it was going to be delayed again this game's been delayed a couple of times but they said it's going to be released this summer and they didn't give a date and i was like oh man and and I, I was like, I was really disappointed. I was getting kind of mad, but then I realized, hey, they're trying to make a better game. And from what I understand, they're getting licenses all the time, and they have to incorporate those into the game. Yeah, and they okay. want to make the best game they can. So I was like, okay, but I, I was really angry that they said this summer because that's what they said last summer. So I was like, okay, that sucks. This summer doesn't mean anything to me. That's that's crap. Just. Hours before we started recording this episode, <laughs> I got a message on my phone of a news article that said 
that it has now been announced again, and it's going to be August 8th. So August 8th coming up. Um, now, I thought there was a demo that you were going to download and try out. There is, and we're gonna, I'm going to cover that next episode oh. because I, it's in my catching up. I played... I. Luckily, they don't let you download the demo. Like they, they let people play it a few months ago, and then they took it off of the Steam store. Just they just let people kind of get a taste of it, and they took it off. I think as a kind of uh, you know a mea culpa for like screwing us about the date here, they were like, "Hey, we're going to open up the demo again, so you can play it." And um, I did download it and still have it on my Steam Deck, and I did play it, and I'll be covering that and catching up. Ooh. Yep. A little morsel for us to chew on, waiting for the but 30th. But August 8th, and this is retro-related, if you see this game, if you check the show notes and link, connect on the links, it's very retro-inspired, very pixelated. I mean, it's got really cool um, kind of Super Nintendo-style graphics. Um, it it It's definitely retro-themed, so... But if you... It, you know, if you need a date you can count on, look to your boys over here at Pixel Guide N, because... June 30th, the official release date of Eric reviewing the demo of this game. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. We don't we we've never uh not fallen through on one of our release dates, you know? Not yet, knock on wood. We're still good good for our release dates. We, I don't think we've ever missed I don't think we've missed a single one. Eric, we have one final yeah. news item, which is really two news items because everyone's favorite, it's time for us to delve into the world of News, news, news of the weird, 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 weird. Ready. All right, I've got two news items here. One of them is interesting because it's uh, it involves LGR, uh, uh, a fellow. Uh, pr- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Content creator, <laughs> yes. uh, personality on the YouTube's. He's um, a little bit bigger than we are. He's got a little, he's got a few more followers, but we're getting there. We're getting there. We thank each and every <laughs> one of our followers for listening. Absolutely. Um, so he rescued a twenty year old teddy bear PC. Eric, what does that mean to you? I have no idea. I don't know what teddy bear PC means, but um, I think you're going to show us a picture. I'm going to show you in just a second. But long story short, someone found a picture of this teddy bear pc and said someone needs to buy that thing and talk about it it should be lgr and they let him know about it and sure enough he he had it procured by somebody local it was out of la had it shipped over to him and he had to get it all fixed up and here is the official teddy bear pc <laughs> oh man i took a drink of beer at the wrong time <clears throat> wow oh, man so it is quite literally a gigantic teddy bear, big enough, so if you imagine like a normal teddy bear, right, big enough yeah. where a full-sized, um, I guess it's not a full, it'd be like a, a half-sized tower PC, like beige PC from the early 2000s, can fit below, where the, in, in the space between the, the bear's butt and the, the top of his stomach. There's an entire desktop PC in there. And it is a, a, it is a teddy bear. Apparently, yeah. it is a... Um, an Ikea Varlig Big Boy Teddy Bear, which was released by Ikea at that point. And the the modder who created this, his goal was to make multiple teddy bear PCs, which had a Pentium 3 personal computer inside. And um, so I, I won't tell you more than that because you're probably going to want to go check out the uh, the LGR YouTube video where he 
receives this thing, fixes it up, and I guess uh, I, I think he gave it to his wife or something to that effect. But there's there's a teddy bear peasy. Yeah, I mean, the, a couple of thoughts on this. <laughs> so imagine, like, uh, imagine, you know, Darth Vader had that little computer thing on his chest? Yeah, like, there you go, this, yeah. It looks like a bear with, like, a, <laughs> like one of those Darth Vader computer things in its chest. Sorry, I just saw um, the side angle of this thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and another thing is, when you buy a PC, even back in the day, you tried to everything you could to keep it cool. Yeah, yeah. You didn't wrap a fur coat around it, which is what this is. This is a PC with a fur coat around it. It looks like a bear. That's insane. It's great. The side angle literally looks like, you know, when you see like a nature uh, documentary and there's a bird or something, a crane, and it eats like a fish that looks way too big for it, and you watch it go down its throat. Yeah. It looks like this bear swallowed a, a personal computer, and it's just, where's that picture again? I can't find it now. It's just there. <laughs> yeah. A little side. Angle. I can't get it there. It eh, whatever. I give up. Anyways, that's item one of news of the weird. Check that out in our show notes, or I'm sure you can just go to YouTube and look up LGR teddy bear and it'll probably show up. The second one, I've never heard of this store, uh, Eric, but there's a store apparently in England. I want to say England or maybe all of Europe. I don't know. Uh, called Zara. And it's, like a popular children's clothing store, I believe. Never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, but apparently it's a big name and uh, people go to, to to Zara and buy their kids stuff. And it's just kind of a normal everyday thing that everyone knows about. Well, they came out with a new product they're selling in their stores. And no one understands why they're doing this, but it's cool that they are. You can go buy what they call bum bags. Here in America, we call it something packs. But I can't say it because we have British listeners, and apparently it's a bad, it's a naughty word. Oh, uh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, they're yeah. called bum bags, and it is a Japanese, not even the the British version. It is a Japanese Sega Saturn controller with a belt on it that you can put around your your waist and put stuff in. And they're selling it at this children's boutique because you know modern kids love 32 bit systems from the mid 90s. Yeah, modern kids love Sega Saturn. <laughs> That's funny, and it's a little weird, because I kind of want one. (laughs) Right? I'd take one. Are we really doing this? Are we really buying this? Bro, if you get two of those, I'll get two of the McNuggets, and we're going to (laughs) swap. Dude, we can put our McNugget (laughs) inside this bum bag. Wow! (laughs) Inception all all over again. It's all coming together. There we go, everybody. And that's the end of News of the Weird, and that's the end of news for Pixel Guide End this month. We have one last segment eric and what is that that is battle of the systems battle of the systems <laughs> and on this month's battle as we mentioned earlier in the show we've got a couple of cartridge greats for systems that many people might not be so familiar with uh yeah. the ti 99 a you know uh peddled for years by comedic great bill cosby <laughs> yes <laughs> just 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 throwing it out there he's he was the spokesperson for the tn 994a and every time i talk about the tn 99 i think of bill cosby and i have to mention it because it's it was <laughs> I, a thing i remember the commercials with yep. bill cosby in them yeah and then you've got the tandy coco now originally i said the tandy color computer 2 but it's not that, and it's also not the Tandy Color Computer 3. It's also not 
the predecessor, the TRS-80, we're talking about the color computer. TRS-80 color computer, the first color computer. Yep. It's a very but it, dis- runs on, it runs on a 2 and a 3. So oh, yeah, it well, runs on all of them. I ran it on my 3. Um, yep, it's me too. Me too. But the TI-994A game we're going to talk about is Parsec, a space shooter that I've seen. It's got a purple label on it. Um, I'd love to actually get a cartridge of it just to have the cartridge because that's oh Eric's got a real cartridge in the box. Parsec in the box in the original TI box. Pretty sweet. That is very sweet. I only have three original games, but I don't have Parsec. I'd love to get one. But yep. And then we are talking about uh, Temple of Rom on the Tandy Coco. Now, really quick for anybody who thinks of the color computer and thinks of the two or the three, which is kind of the beige one. Mm-hmm. Um. Kind of the gills at the top. No, the 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 machine this was written for. I don't own yet, and I, I'm just remembering. I want one. It's the color computer. It's still silver, and it yep. has kind of little chiclet keys, right? Yep. And in fact, a little trivia that I've mentioned on the show way in the past years ago. Um, the first computer lab I ever had in my school, my junior high school, seventh grade. We were setting up a computer lab. And we had three computers, TRS-80 Model 3, Apple II, and uh, the first color computer, TRS-80 color computer. I thought it didn't it was, have a pet? I thought it had a pet. We did not have a pet. Oh, no. okay. I wish we had a pet. That would have been awesome. But no, and it was. It was silver and with these little square kind of, I don't want to say chiclet keys, but yeah, maybe. I mean, they're just little square buttons that were the keys. Almost like um, a, an old calculator. Yep, but I love it. I mean, it was a great system, and I used that quite a bit in that computer lab, but I used it when it was actually contemporary. Like, they were in the stores ready to go. Four, it was cool. Exactly. So, Eric, do you have some uh, raw stats for some games? I do. Which one do you want to start with? I was going to let you pick. Let's do Parsec first. All right, Parsec. Parsec was a game. The developers were Jim Dramas and Paul Urbanus. Arguably, Parsec is probably the most popular game of the TI-994A. It certainly is the one most talked about, I think. Um, It supports the speech synthesis, which I'm sure we will cover as we discuss this. It is published by Texas Instruments. Uh, It was only on the Um, TI-994A. The release was 1982. 1982. It is a scrolling shooter game. And I'm going to read this part straight from Wikipedia, which I think explains it really well. Okay. Uh, The player in Parsec pilots a spaceship through 16 differently colored levels, which scroll horizontally across the screen. The objective is to destroy all enemy ships while avoiding being shot, colliding with any flying object or the ground or overheating one's laser cannon results in your death. So that's kind of a brief description of it. And now we will discuss the game. All right. So the gameplay of Parsec. First of all, if you've never played a TI-99-4A game, this one is very TI-99-4A feeling. Um, Definitely. I, I, I guess I'd describe the graphics as, you know, more high, higher um, quality than like the Atari 6200 or 2600, which of course is very big and chunky. But it's got yep. a similar feel somehow. It's almost like if you took four screens of Atari 2600 and put them together, that's the kind of pixel density you'd get here. Um, all of the sprites are very much one color per sprite. Uh, so like your ship is, in this case, green. The whole thing is green. The background is black. There's twinkling stars, which is nice. The entire uh, 
landscape is only going to be one color at a time. And a lot of TI-994 games, because they are produced by Texas Instruments, have a Texas Instruments logo right in the game. So sure enough... In the landscape somewhere. In the yeah. landscape, we got, a, we got a picture of Texas with the TI on there. Um, so, I mean, the, it, it's not going to win any awards for graphics. I'll put it that way. It's serviceable. If you did a, if you did a screen like shot of this, like a still image... It's it is a little similar to like a ZX Spectrum where like there are solid colors in there. Um, it's obviously differences. Yeah, but I could see a screenshot of this people somebody confusing this and going, "Oh, that's kind of looks like a ZX Spectrum style game." Yeah, because the sprites kind um, of are see they have black in them. There's one color, but there's they're kind of wireframe. Yeah, for sure. Yep. yep. So. Uh, uh, it, all in, uh, and first of all, here's the here's the cartridge because this came on cartridge. The there it is cartridge with the purple label. I love the cartridges are um, chunky but funky. <laughs> um, it, yeah, this game is. Um, I will admit to this. So I played this game a lot, and I played it wrong. Okay. Um, I played it wrong. I played it. I I loaded it up as it was, as it stood and played it. And my thoughts on it over the years was that everyone raved about it. And I was like, why this thing is slow and it is clunky (laughs) and I can't move fast enough to get out of the way of a lot of stuff. Um, so I didn't understand why people loved it so much. This segment gave me the opportunity to pull the manual out, which I have. I have the yep. real manual right here. Nice. And read through it, which I try to do with every game we review because I don't want to miss something. Sometimes I do, and I make I make the mistake and I miss something. But this game, I missed something. What was it, Eric? And it is, it is crucial to the game. I'm, I might have missed it. I might have missed it. I read. I did read the manual. I pulled it up online and read it, but I think I might have missed it. Yep, so it is crucial to being good at this game is is that the number one, two, and three on the TI-99 keyboard is called Lift. And it starts in Lift 1. Lift 1 is slow, slow and sure. And then Lift 3 moves your ship much faster, which allows you to dodge things. So when there's an enemy or an asteroid field, because... When you clear a number of enemies, you get an asteroid field, and the only way you can get through that asteroid field is if your ship moves faster. Now, you might think, well, why wouldn't you move fast all the time? Well, in this game, you have to refuel, and when you refuel, it is pixel-perfect moving into this little tunnel, Mm -hmm. and when you go in a little tunnel to refuel, you move to lift one because you don't want to move fast. You want your movements to be slow and precise. And that's what Lift 1 gets you. So it is crucial if you're going to try to get a high score on this game or move forward past even the first level, you have to use the Lift system. And that is with 1, 2, and 3. I didn't know that, the whole history of me with this game, but I did it for this show and I got much further by being able to shift my speeds from 1 to 3. Nice. That's news to me. I, I did read the manual, but somehow I missed, I missed that. So I was in Lift yeah. 1 the whole time. Yeah, and so it it's it's slow and clunky if you're in one, which is what it's supposed to be. Well, I'll I'll, I'll I will try that. However, okay. my issues are not with the speed of the ship; it's more the gameplay itself. I think I do like the fuel. I think that is cool. 
you know, stopping the game to do a tunnel. Honestly, the game actually, if I was going to compare it to anything, it feels to me a lot like Scramble. Um, You've kind of got these, these, you know, rotating uh, landscapes. And when you beat the level, you go to the next landscape, which just kind of changes color, but it's kind of the same thing as before. Maybe a slightly different enemy, um, maybe a little faster. Maybe the enemies do a little bit more than they did previously and change color a little bit, but it's repetitive. Um, but ultimately, what for me the game is you're this this the ship which you know again serviceable looks exciting. I was when it first loaded up, I'm like, oh, I'm ready for this. But the enemy patterns of the ships are infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> they are, and yeah. maybe part of it is because I was too slow. But like the ships will dive in boringly and do the same thing over and over and over again, and then all of a sudden, without knowing. A ship will decide to dive in just like all the rest, and then all of a sudden shoot up at you, and then you die. And then you get to these kind of like mid bosses, these guys right here. And very quickly, you learn the way they work is they scroll up and down the screen every time you cross paths with them directly horizontally, they shoot at you. So they're going to fire directly at you every time they're directly across from you. Yep. So you just kind of press up and down and up and down while shooting until you hit them enough times. Um, and if you move to like lift two, that it comes in handy because you can dodge the, sh- the firing much better. So yeah, that'll probably give me some some benefit to it. Of course, you've got five ships. They know you're going to get hit a lot. I do now see the lift down below in the little GUI. You've got your fuel, which is running out this whole time. I've never ran out of fuel, but I guess if you don't make it through the tunnel, basically, yeah. they really don't even need a fuel bar there. It's just be like you have to fuel now or you die. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and then you got your points what did you and your think top of score. The, what did you think of the speech synthesis? That was the best part of the game. Yeah, and it's it's it, for 1982. Because I was on my Commodore 64, and yeah. you know, after that, like in 84, 85, I was on my Commodore 64 using a program called Sam, the speech added machine or something like that. I don't remember. And it, you know, you type bad words in there and it would say stuff, you know, Hold on, I'll grab um, something. one second. Keep talking. I'll be right back. Yep. So, you know, I was used to Sam two or three years after this, making the most rudimentary, um, um, sounds, you know, it was like, like, you know, you would say the word spaghetti and it'd be like, bang, 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 or something like that. But, um, what is that? I can't read that. Can I read it? Uh, yeah, I can't read it because I mean you're in my small window there. Oh, I gotcha. So I'm holding up a an original copy from Inglewood, California, 1983, Commodore 64, Sam. Oh, nice! You have an original copy. I don't know why it. it's just been sitting. I have a little pile of floppies that have been sitting on my my desk for like six months, and that one's been on the top. And I, yep, I knew it was something to do with speech, but never so actually. So in '84, '85, I got Sam. Cody and it was a blast. I loved it because we would make it say bad words. We would make it say all sorts of different words, but <laughs> it sounded it sounded like you would expect, right? It didn't sound good. Yep. This game when it said all those bad words incorrectly. Exactly the the TI ninety nine with the speech synthesis. Puke. It sounds like a woman's voice, and she's like you know, um, aliens approaching, and it sounds like a female, and yeah. it sounds clear it, it for and there's a lot of speech it's constantly talking at you and it sounds actually kind of helpful it's not just annoying to be annoying it says some pretty uh, useful and amazing stuff and i i when i was doing my research on this they took a student from texas a&m i think it was texas a&m i might be wrong on the school there but they took a student and they brought her in to do all the samples of that 
and uh, and then they sampled it using the software and put it into the cartridge, put it into the game. So pretty neat, very clear audio. I mean, you can't say enough about that. That is really, really cool. Would have blown your mind in 82. But anyway, true. Uh, the speech was really cool. Unfortunately, it doesn't add much to the gameplay. No, no. <laughs> It doesn't add anything to the gameplay other than a warning. And like I said, the the warnings are useful, but it does add some texture to the game, which makes it pretty cool. Gotcha, so. gotcha. I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, there's not a whole lot to this very simple game, nor the next one, yep. to be fair. Um, so, you know, I, there's there's multiple things you can rate this on. Uh, just a reminder to everybody, I rate it on how much fun is it, is it to play today? Like, how good is it yeah. today? So I, I always take nostalgia out of it if, if I can. And, uh, you know, I don't care if it was technically impressive at the time per se. How, how much fun is it today? Um, okay. That being said, I think we should rate these out of, this is highly accurate information, Eric. We're talking about the TI-9 here. Yeah. And um, we're talking about the color computer, which officially or unofficially if you wiggle the RF port on the back in just the right way and flip through it, you can get 99 colors out of that. Do you know that, Eric? <laughs> I did not know that. That's, Interesting. That Interesting. is a fact. I don't need you to double check, but I am going to tell you right now it's true. So, out of 99 TI-99 and Coco colors, how, how much of the spectrum are you going to give this one? I'm going to go first, huh? You are going right. to go first. I'm going to give it out of 99. I'm going to give it 60 out of 99. All right. All right. So, yeah, this game, outside of the fact that it, the I would load this up again because of the sound and because I know it was such a seminal. Seminal? Is that a good word? Yeah. Game yeah, I think that's- for the system. In fact, these later levels look more cool because they've got multiple ships on the screen at once. Yeah. And I think if it started later, maybe it would be a better game. But ultimately, there's enough things about the gameplay in this game that drive me nuts that I have a hard time enjoying it. Um, I want. I feel with a few tweaks, this game could be a very good game. But yeah, as it sits, I don't disagree with you. Out of 99 colors, um, it's definitely better than grayscale. Yeah. But I think I would give it... I'll give it a 55 five okay there we go now by the way um there's another thing i want to get that huge ti-99 accessory bank thing to go with mine because it's so big and ridiculous but the speech module we were talking about here for this game is a completely separate add-on you shove in the side of your ti-994a to give it speech and it is also beautiful and silver gray like delorean it looks like a delorean um is the best looking system there is in my opinion so that is what it is so all right moving on to the next game give us some raw details yep and this one was a little harder to find raw details on but i did find stuff so the temple of rom and that this is a game that you've heard of before right like this yep i'm not alone in thinking this was one that people talk about all the time when they're talking about cartridge based no they yeah i mean this is a this is a pretty popular uh color computer game um, I've heard about it. I've, I've heard about it spoken on other podcasts. I've read about it. I have never played it before. So this is my first time actually playing it. Um, this game came out in the original game came out in 1984. Um, the, the game, um, was written by a man named Rick Adams. 
Um, there's a little story on the website, templeofrom.com. Um, you go on there, you can read about some of the development on there. Um, it works on the Cocoa 1, 2, and 3. Um, this um, One interesting thing about this game, and I just want to tell you about this on my research, is I was doing my research on, I played this game quite a bit to do the research, but I also looked at some YouTube videos, which I do from time to time. Um, it might even be that video you're watching. Scroll down a little bit on that. Okay. Scroll down. Do you see the first comment? Who's that by? Rick Adams. He's the, he's yep. the maker of the game. And several videos I saw he commented on. And I think he might have even commented this on, I might be wrong on this, but I think it was the Coco Show on the Amigos. When they talked about Temple of Rom, he submitted a, 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 like an answer to one of their questions or something. So, oh, it's so cool. We missed the yeah, trick. We should have brought him that, on the show, Eric. Yeah, he's a guy that's proud of his work and um, and and responds to people and they love it. So I, I I think that is very cool. But those are the only real statistics I have. Another thing is he wrote in 2020 Temple of Rom 2. Really? Still works still works with the Coco 1 and 2 and 3. Oh wow. Dungeons are 45% bigger, two new enemies and you can build your own levels. That's way cool. So that's very cool. Um but anyway, that's the only raw statistics I have. So do you want to start? And see, what I love about this, too, is we're talking about a game that's pretty, you know, this is, uh, for the most people, this is kind of beyond the whole golden age of video games. This is kind of like the silver age, right? Um, yeah. There's not as much current popularity and love for systems this old. Uh, we're kind of niche that we cover things like this. Uh, so yeah. this video that was five years ago that he responded to has a total of 30, 377 views, inclu- including me today and him when he wrote that response. <laughs> so yeah. he's seeking this stuff out, man. I would love to uh, to reach out to him and see that. how cool it would be to get an interview. Oh, I'm sure he would do <laughs> it. I mean, interview this dude, right? It's so yeah. cool. Yeah, he seems active in the community. So I think you, that, w- that would be completely possible. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be fun. Um yeah, so to kind of describe the gameplay from my point of view, it's a top-down maze. I wouldn't even say it's a maze because there's not like you go anywhere wrong, right? But it's a top-down game. It's a black background with, with um, I think it's always blue, uh, kind of walls. But we're talking about something you could, you know, as a kid, draw on grid paper, right? Go up four grids, over two, go up again, make a, a box. That's a room. So it's basically just all these little passageways and these little larger areas that you can call rooms some of them are dead ends some of them branch off into other areas um and you're literally just walking through this maze and it's gonna sound really boring but you're walking through this maze and you're collecting items as you can find them in these rooms now the screen's scrolling up down left and right because you're only able to see like one or two rooms at any given time and a bunch of hallways and passageways but you're just this little dude that is, can't be made up of more than 16 pixels and he's actually got a lot of personality for how small he is his arms move back and forth when he walks or she i don't know um but you you're just grabbing items and every once in a while, there'd be a spider in a room that you have to shoot with your little, like, I guess it's a laser shooter. Uh, it's like this laser that shoots, you know, uh, 20% of the screen in front of you. But you can point it in different ra- directions and shoot whatever direction you're heading to, right? So you can't walk away and shoot behind you. You have to walk towards something to shoot it, uh, which is pretty old school. 
And uh, yeah, so it could be these little flames. It could be bats that f- can fly through walls. They can fly at you from any direction on the screen. Um, there's a there's not too many other enemies, but you're picking up jewelry and goblets, and you're basically going through this. If, if you want to call it a dungeon, everyone calls these dungeons, but they're 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 labyrinths or labyrinths labyrinths <laughs> or um, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of a basic map. But there's just something about it. It's a collect them up You go and just collect things, and when enemies show up, try to get rid of them before they get you. And that's essentially the game. There's a few items, such as this big ball-looking thing. Uh, when you get that, you're invincible. You kind of flash, and you're invincible for a short period of time. Um, and you go through this whole level. Now, I played this game and got to the point where I was able to pretty much just kill everything as it got near me. And I was at going through the whole map just struggling to find anything else that I hadn't collected yet. So it's good to know, and maybe you looked up the manual, I did not on this game, that the game does end. So in this run through we're watching here, it took him 17 minutes to clear the game. Yep. And I guess uh, oh, that's another thing there are. There's these portals that will take you to another portal somewhere else in the map. Just kind of throws you somewhere else in the map. Um so in this game, looks like he found the last room, collected the last item, and what does the game end screen look like? Because uh, Mr. Mr. Rick Adams down here commented on it. I guess the game just stops. It doesn't. It doesn't stop because I beat it. Dun, dun, Did you, Eric? Uh, Eric beat the game. Um, it starts again. Um, it doesn't. It, it does a little. If I remember right, and I I beat it maybe a couple weeks ago. There's a little musical ditty, but then you just start from the same spot and and you're ready and you do it again. Now your score stays up there, right? Okay. But the bummer about it is that it doesn't get any more difficult. Yeah, just, just start again. Start again with the same score. Yeah, because I, fi- I, I found myself getting to the point. I played this actually earlier today because I hadn't played it yet. Um, no, yesterday. It was yesterday, but... Yeah, and I got to the point where I figured out how to get, kill the enemies and stuff, and there was, um, it was just basically came down to I'm trying to collect everything, and I just couldn't find everything, and I was like, ah, well, it's time time for me to go. I, need, I can't keep playing. So yeah. it was either leave it on and come back to it, or, you know, which you can't do because bats will come and kill you. But That's right. You can't just stand there, and if there's no pause, then you're you're kind of hosed. I, what I did is I beat the game, and then I realized what, what it, that it was just starting over again. I thought, okay, it must be more difficult. Yeah, you think the color of the map would change and there'd be twice as many enemies or something. So I, you know, I started to collect, collect them again, thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to keep adding to my score and it's going to be more difficult. And I realized, I was like, this is exactly the same. The, the items are in the same spot. Everything is exactly the same. I'm just playing the game again. Well, the item, point, the items just, even go to the exact same spot each time? I think so. I think wow. so. Because I, okay. I remember, I kind of remembered the ones that were closest to the starting room and they were still there. And then, the bats still come. The enemies still come. It's like, it's, it's the same exact thing. I think it just starts again. Now what I will say is you could keep, I will say that if you turn off the game and turn it back on, um, the map does change. It's not, um, it does. Yeah. Because I thought it didn't because I actually went in and played it once died really quick. Not knowing what I was doing, turn it back on, went right back to that little manhole that takes you through a different portal. And there was different stuff in the room. So, so there's some changes. There's some procedurally generated something. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the whole game. <laughs> yeah, that's the game. Um, and listen, uh, um, I mean, you covered it completely. That's what there is in the game. I don't have anything more to add other than 
during this time in the 80s, I was a sucker for games like Temple of Apshai, um, which is another one where you're a little guy with a sword and you're going around a maze and you're basically collecting things. But Harry. you can get shields. You can get armor. Is that you got another one? Yeah, Temple of Apshai. <laughs> I love that game. That one's for the Atari. Yeah. Um, I love Temple of Apshai. I, it, I had it on cartridge on my Commodore 64 and I played it all the time. Um, and I loved it. Wizard of War, Berserk. They are games where you're in kind of a maze kind of deal. Oh, top you're down. Roaming around. You're killing things. You're collecting things. And that's it. And I'm a sucker for those games. I still love Berserk. And it's kind of similar to this in a, in a, in a way. Um, with that said, this game, I, I'm trying to give them credit because it was a, a confined. It was made on the Coco one. So yeah. there wasn't a lot of memory. I think there's 16K. Um, there's not much to this game. You fire in directions yep. to kill the enemies and you collect things. You don't get power weapon. You don't power up your weapons. You don't. Um, you're collecting kind of the same old things. I think, there, like you said, there is one that made you invincible. Um, there are portals. That's a little different. But other than that, it is that that's all there is to it. I'd like to see some variety in in the game. I mean, there there's just wasn't enough variety. It was it was very, very basic. With that said, the the for a Coco one, the screen was very smooth as you went. Yeah. Like going I was the impressed maze. by that. Yeah. The scrolling was incredibly smooth. The sprite work for your main guy was really good and the bats flapping around. Um, the game looks great for Coco one. Um, it just seemed to lack stuff in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nowadays. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't much to it. I beat it. And then when I was, when I was faced with the thought of playing through it again, I was like, there's nothing, not gonna be anything new. So I've seen it all. Yeah. So if back in the day I had paid a lot of money for this, which I don't think it was a lot of money, but I mean, I would have been like, okay, that's kind of sucks. Cause I'm over. Well, I'm there are cartridges. I think they're all like, yeah, you know, 24 99 or something back then, yeah. which is like 60 yeah. bucks now. So though, yeah. Um, I had fun with it. I had fun with it. So, I mean, it's a solid game. Well, I mean, I, I enjoyed it and it is highly regarded for the, for the color computer. Yep. And I want to own a copy of this and Parzak just because of they are the quintessential games or one of the quintessential games for these systems. So Absolutely. the other one I was going to pick, but we've already covered, I've covered on the show was time bandit on the Coco two. Yeah. Which I don't know if you've played that one, Eric, but, um, I have, it's great. That's yeah, a great game. It is a great game. Yep. Uh, much better than this one. I'll be upfront, but what I will yeah. say about this one is even though there wasn't a lot to do, I enjoyed my time with it. I felt like this is kind of, if you took, um, Temple of Apshai or a game like that and made it more Nintendo <laughs> family friendly. Yeah. Like you're going to play through this game and enjoy it and beat it, but you're going to enjoy doing it. It's not really a challenge. It's more just you enjoy going through there. And every time you find something collected, it makes the right noises and makes you happy. That's this game. I, I had a smile on my face. I didn't care that it was simple. Um, just, you know, a few, again, a few tweaks a few different changes to, to make it a little more challenging or make it, you know, make it so you can't just walk through the game in 20 minutes would make yeah. it so much better. So I'm, I can't, I'm excited to try temple of ROM two, Eric. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to go grab it, uh, probably this week. 
we should do that and we should try to get rick on the show to talk about would, both games that would be amazing um, <laughs> that would be cool i'm gonna give it did you give it 108 score it was 99 um, yeah I'm, you're right out of 99 um I, I rf gave, output colors on the ti 99 and coco 2 or coco so out of 99, I gave it 60. I'm going to give this one 65. I actually enjoyed this one, even though I have no reason to. I just The yeah. gameplay felt smooth and fun. One thing I will mention um, before I give my final score. So I don't know, what, what controller did you play the game with? I used the, the uh, Radio Shack analog one, the one, you know, that... The one that came with the color computers. Correct. Perfect. Correct. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So this is a game. I tried to plug in. Uh, I use the adapter and plug another controller to it into it. First of all, it doesn't work correctly. That's right. But even if it did, you'd get eight-way directions. You know, up, down, left, right, and then the, the four, uh, you know, diagonals. Yeah. But this is another game where I'm loving the Coco controller more and more. Even though at first feel you're like, what is this thing? It's this chunky thing with a button not on the face, but literally on the top of the controller. Top and this case, super yeah. like toothpick skinny um, yep. uh, joystick that flops around. It doesn't. It stays still, but it doesn't self center. So when you push it, you know, thirty one degrees to northwest, it stays there. Right. Um, but a lot of the games, including this one on the color computer, actually use all three hundred and sixty degrees of motion. So you can shoot at a bat that's you know t- ten degrees off center from north, and you can aim right there and shoot at it. And you can walk in any. Th- any direction and it just it makes it feel like a color computer game right adds to the personality of the system so i love that about it i'm gonna give it even though i gave the last one 55 this one would be a 65 to me i think it has merit i would play it again even if it's easy because it just brings a smile to my face and feels good so we we tied up on that so we both gave it a 65 and we gave it higher so we don't even have to add this up temple of rom is the winner Absolutely. And you listeners are all winners because you just enjoyed an amazing episode of Pixel Guide N. <laughs> yes. Thank you again for listening. Um, next episode that comes out on the 30th of May, 2023, we're going to have Tim on the show with us. Of course, we always start with quick questions, but we're going to hear uh, uh, Tim's, t- Tim's take. <laughs> Tea time Tim's with Tim is, is what we call that. Tim, yeah. We call that selection. Um, trying to remember what he was going to talk about. I have to scroll. He's talking up. about his first days with the Mister. Ooh, he must have got himself a Mister. I need to get myself a Mister. That's are those available again? They, if they're not, they are usually within a month or two available. All right. So I'm gonna, DigiKey had a bunch in stock. That's where Tim got. I think t- Tim grabbed his. I'm going to be listening to the segment. I'm going to get myself a Mister soon. Yeah. Um, we're also going to go ahead and have ourselves a game show, like we like to do. We're going to catch up with each other on what we've been up to. Always good times. And finish things off with six good games. And yet another unique unique six good games segment. This one was from Tim. Oh, was it? Yep. What did he yeah, choose? Yeah, he was. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm waiting for you what? to tell people what the, what oh. the six good games <laughs> segment is. Six good games from 1984. They can be any games, arcade, home computers, home consoles, whatever. Six good games from 84. They do have to be uh, video games. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> or pinballs. We've, we've, that falls under arcade. 
exactly. That being said, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, on behalf of Eric and Tim and myself, have a great 15 days. We'll see you on the 30th. And until then, remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>